Thank you for listening to The Real Deal with Damian Adams. This is Real Sports Talk for the Real Sports Fan. And I definitely appreciate all you Real Sports fans who are listening right now. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do me a huge favor and leave this podcast a five-star rating. That one, two, three, four, beep. That five-star rating review will definitely be appreciated. If you're listening on any other platform, that could be Podomatic, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts, please make sure you share from that, that platform so that not only can your friends and family find the podcast, they can listen to the podcast, love the podcast, and subscribe, but they can share with their friends and family because I'm trying to get this podcast to the highest levels of podcastivity, and I need your help to get there. I would truly, truly appreciate it. Today's episode is a stacked episode full of basketball talk. We're going to do our mid-season awards, and you know I just can't do the traditional ones. Got to do some non-traditional awards as well. We're going to go over our all-stars of both the Eastern and Western Conference, and I couldn't do this by myself. Had to bring on a special guest today. My special guest is one-third of the Three to Hardaway podcast, one of the best basketball podcasts mm -hmm. out there. He is part of the Let's Be Real media family. Gang. <laughs> <laughs> he is a mediaologist, a DJ. He is an all-star point guard on NBA 2K if you need somebody to help oh, you out in the wreck. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, My man. man, Tev Shakur, a.k.a. Took. What's going on, Took? Man, blessing to be here, brother. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the, the nice words you done said about me. Uh, we're not going to gloss over the word that you, like myself, like to make up words. And I don't know yeah. if you, you know, podcastivity, that, that's crazy. That's crazy, but I, I appreciate it. You know, and I'm I'm serious, a fan of you, a fan of everything you got going out here in Phoenix. Of course, you you know, bro, for, that I met, and uh, we linked up a couple times. You know, I paid your meal over some Panthers game and uh and and Saints games. You paid my meal, so we had a halfway point with that man. But I'm here to talk some good basketball uh with with, with somebody that know what the hell he's talking about. So salute to you. I appreciate that, man. That means a lot coming from you. So without further ado, let's get into it. And before we get into the awards, let's get into the breaking news that went down this past week. The Milwaukee Bucks right now as the second seed in the Eastern Conference with a surprising move. They fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin, who was his first time being a head coach first year. Not only do they fire him, but then they hire Doc Rivers, who only spent <laughs> half a season working for ESPN calling games before he was back on the sidelines coaching. So what was your first reaction when you heard the news that Adrian Griffin got fired? You call it breaking news. I call it broken news. <laughs> like this, like for the three to Hardaway pod for the duration of it. And we've been going for two years, but I've been podcasting for the last or uh, in radio for the last probably 10 years at this point. Uh, but since then the Bucks have been the team that I just like to keep a significant eye on, especially since they did hire a rookie coach. Uh, I poke fun at Giannis for being that guy that don't know. He just he just irked me for certain things the wrong way. And he went on live television and, and said what he said at the All-Star game. I'm not going to repeat it on your podcast because I respect you too much. But he did say what he said, and it's just, ugh. And then when Dame got there, it was like, I think he's going to regret, or 
you know, coming here. And I don't think it was really his choice. So I hate to put that kind of thing on him, but he's not going to like his time because you, 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 you met, you want to make Giannis happy. You signing everybody, you know, from his brother to his cousin, to his uncle. And you know what I'm saying? And you bring in a Damian Lillard, but you know, all the offense in the world, Dame time. Um, and actually they got a game, which is funny. They got a game. Uh, they got Dame time watches tonight. Uh, Portland, you messed up. Cause that's an easy media marketing yeah. strategy right <laughs> uh but uh, you know what i'm saying but it's like you bring a rookie head coach and you got chance championship aspirations that was doomed to fail from the start and now you bring in doc rivers <laughs> and it was it, and I, I bring in my past a podcast because i've known the fellas ever since college right and i believe that doc rivers was a good coach you know uh, he was a good coach you know he he won the championship with the celtics and blah 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 one thing that they immediately changed my mind on quickly was to Doc Rivers is not a good coach. They got me on that, and I'd have further down with every 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 situation. So the fact that he immediately gets hired for this Milwaukee Bucks team, we saw how they performed last year in the playoffs going against nobodies. Now it really expect them to get their asses whooped in the first round of the playoffs. And this is no disrespect to Dame because as much as Dame time I believe in. You got to be in certain situations to be in name time. And you go against a, a Philly, they're going to whoop you. You go against the Knicks, they're going to get you. You go against an Indiana, they're going to get you. You go against a, a Heat team who done reloaded, they're going to get you. So you talk about the top four teams. Are you a top four team in the East and you hire a coach that's, to my knowledge, incapable of doing the right job that he's supposed to do? Give, give me a, a – it, it's broken news, my boy. <laughs> it's broken <it's> <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely feel you on that. Now, towards the Adrian Griffin part of it, this was something where I don't know the man personally, but it was definitely a bad sign. I remember it, I might, it might have been media day or right after media day. They asked Jimmy Butler about not getting Damian Lillard and Damian Lillard going to play for the Bucks, And he said, I'm happy for Dame to get to the Bucks, but the only part that I don't like about it is that he's playing for Adrian Griffin. Because I don't like Adrian Griffin. Dang. And, and Jimmy Butler, we know he's the one guy who's going to tell. He's going to say what he, like, he got to say. Like, I mean, at this point, he's a butt killer, too. I say that one more time? <laughs> he's a butt killer, too. He is. He is the butt killer. And for Jimmy Butler to say that about somebody who just got hired as a head coach, for him to come out and say, oh, I don't like him. Um, the only reason I'm upset is that Dan got to go play for him. It was like, dang, okay. But maybe that's just Jimmy Butler and Adrian's relationship. Maybe they just had you know, falling out that was separate from what Adrian Griffith's about. But then Terry Stotts, who's a longtime head coach in this league, got a history of success with the Blazers. He was there for nine years, I believe. Is hired as an assistant coach to coach under Adrian Griffin. They get into it. Reports is Adrian Griffin was cursing him out and whatnot. And Terry Stotts is like, nah, I ain't got to take this. I'm gone. And he quits right before the season starts. And for a coach of that caliber to have the history he has in the league, to quit right before the season starts, that's telling. Like, like for him to be like, yo, I'm not even gonna deal with this. Like, I wanna coach, I wanna, you know, be in the league. And, you know, I've as a head coach, I came up short with Portland. So maybe I can do it as an assistant. And for him to be like, nah, I'm out. Like, oh wow, okay. And then you hear reports of the team coming to Adrian Griffin and saying, like, yo, we're not playing this style that you want us to play. Like we're gonna go back to playing what we were doing last year defensively, like and him, him having to just bow down basically and say, okay, we can play the style that y'all want to play. 
And it's like, dang, this is just a lot of bad news coming out of Bucks camp when it comes to this coach. And I'm not going to lie to you, I still was surprised by the firing because it's like, okay, they're still doing well. You still got the second best record in the Eastern Conference. It doesn't look as pretty, right? Your defense is not as good. Um, shout out to you. Y'all guess y'all had uh, the other day, Zay, and he talked about how they barely beat Detroit and they're giving up 120-something points to Detroit. And he's like, you shouldn't be doing that to the Detroit Pistons. He's right. Like, there are games where they're playing against inferior competition. They're giving up just all these points. And it's not just, you know, Damian Lillard being bad on defense. We knew they were going to take a step back defensively. When you lose a Drew Holiday and you go to a Damian Lillard, you know that's a big step defensively you're taking down. But the plan is, offensively, you're going to take that step up. And they took such a step back defensively that it was alarming. It was like, okay, y'all supposed to be go from maybe top 10 to maybe top 15, you know. But to go from uh, top defense to one of the worst defenses was like, yo, and that's one thing that I've always said when I look at an NBA team, defense is where I go to coaching because offensively, these guys are so talented. You still have to come up with plays and for sets and stuff like that. But defensively is where you really see the coaching, the, the game plan that's implemented and how the players respond to the coach and their effort on defense. And that's why I think you really see the coach's impact on the team. And to have this team be one of the worst defenses when you have Brooke Lopez, who was a defensive player of the year candidate last year. Giannis, who is a defensive player of the year candidate every year. Uh, you have. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm going to around it. <laughs> and you have other players in that team who are good defensively. You can't just say, oh, we got Dame now and our defense just went straight down the hole. Like, it has to be more than that. And I think that's where the coaching really came in. Now, Giannis has come out and said that he was not involved in the firing of – See, not only are you lame, but you lying. You a lying lame. That's <laughs> Cap, bro. That's Cap. He the same person that said that the season wasn't a failure and got mad at the reporter for asking a question when, yes, your season was a failure. You the same one blaming the equipment manager for having undry tiles or whatever the hell was going on in the situation. At one point, it needs to be you. It, it, it's you, Giannis. It, it, it's him. You know what I'm saying? Like you suppose like they still playing you a powerful for a reason. Like, yeah. come on, uh, you supposed to hold the paint down, do what you're supposed to be doing as quote unquote the most dominant player in the league. Like, come on. Yeah, no, nah, I definitely am with you on that one. And it's hard to believe that he didn't have something to do with him being fired. Now, I'm not saying he went exactly. to the office and said fire him, but I'm pretty sure maybe word got back to the general managers and the front office about the players maybe not getting along with Adrian Griffin. So, of course, they're going to go to Giannis to say, hey, Giannis, what's going on? Is it really that bad of a situation? Is it something that we have to make a change now? Because this is drastic. To have a team that is competing like this, that's competing for a title, to change their coach midseason and not even bring in a coach from the staff, but to bring in a coach that was sitting down calling games, to bring in <laughs> to bring him in, to that's a drastic change. It's not like with I've seen some people compare it to when David Black got fired by Cleveland, but mm -hmm. they had Ty Lue on the bench already. So mm -hmm. Ty Lue was there just in case it didn't work out, basically. Have you heard the, the rumors that, that he would consult with uh with with Glenn? I'm not calling him Doc, with Glenn Rivers uh <laughs> throughout the season from the start of the season? Because that has been reports that saying that as well. And it's like he kind of been quote unquote in the organization from the beginning of the season. 
Yeah, I could believe that, you know, maybe other coaches wrote, reach out to Doc. Because even with Doc having the history he's had in the playoffs, he's still one of the most winningest coaches in NBA history, just from a regular season standpoint and from getting into the playoffs. So I can see other coaches reaching out to him, asking for advice and stuff like that. So I can see that being true. But it's still to go from somebody who may be consulting from time to time to the head coach. That's mm -hmm. a drastic change in the middle of the season. And that means that your front office, I it's hard for me to believe that the front office made his decision without consulting with Giannis and probably Dame as well. But your two star players and saying, hey, what's going on? Is this something that we have to do right now? Or can you guys get through the season mm -hmm. with him? Or do you think a drastic change has to be made? I got a question because it happened quick. The hire happened quickly. You heard, oh, they gonna, they may get Doc. Oh, it's reporting that Doc is a heavy favorite, but it happened within a, a Thanos snap, like probably two days. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They didn't give it any time. So it's like if, if everything you saying was true, which I wholeheartedly agree with, is it something that it's like, okay, we already have our coach, which is Doc Rivers, who is, quote-unquote, a player's coach, who who still tapped in with the Bucks organization, but still without having to be in there. You know, it's like you said, with the reports coming out at the beginning of the season, it's like it, with everything going on, did they have that choice in mind? Do you, what what you think? Yeah, I think that might have been something that was already on the table where they're – because I – it's hard for me to think like this all happened within a few days, right? Mm -hmm. Where you fire him, then you hire Doc Rivers. So if there was any talks going on where they're thinking about letting go of Adrian Griffin, I'm pretty sure they asked Giannis, Dame, maybe some others, who would you guys want to be the head coach? Because I believe Kenny Atkinson's on their staff. So you think he would be the guy who they would move up to the head coach position because he's That's had what I rather have. Yeah, he's had success as a head coach in this league. Uh and but maybe he didn't want the job, right? Because Kenny Atkinson is somebody who has success with maybe a more – the team he had success with before Kevin Durant and all those guys came to Brooklyn was a team mm -hmm. full of guys who were trying to prove themselves. And mm -hmm. maybe he's more of that type of coach that needs those type of guys, you know, compared to superstars. And maybe that's why he didn't want the job. You know, this is all speculation, but – oh, Excuse me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> <But> so maybe... <laughs> But maybe he didn't want to deal with, you know, the superstar, you know, point of it. Right. But it's it's definitely very interesting. And for Doc, from his side of it, I think this is Doc's last chance. Like, I'm not saying he has to win it this year, but if he if they don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and there's another series where his coaching is in question, where they're up three one or they're up three two and they lose and you can point to adjustments not being made. This is it for Doc. Like, I think this is – I thought it was over for Doc before. I thought he was going to move over to TV and do that permanently. And stay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was it, but I think this is for sure his last chance as a head coach. And with this team, with this star-studded squad, doesn't have any excuses. Like, he has to implement whatever his defensive system is, get them to get back on defense, because that's the big thing with them. They're the worst transition defense in the league. They just don't get back. And that's how like teams like Indiana, who are constantly running, give them issues because they don't get back on defense. So that's the thing they have to implement is getting back on defense. Uh, one thing I was listening to another basketball podcast, uh, Zach Lowe is one of my favorite basketball writers. And yeah, he, was talking about, he was talking about how Giannis doesn't really set that many picks. Like, And you would think that that would be a big thing where you have Damian Lillard and Giannis, where that would be the big pick and roll, right? Where you would have... 
Dame and Giannis doing that, but they was like, Giannis doesn't like to set picks. I'm like, bro, you big as hell. That's like, that should be a main thing that you should do is set picks and roll to the basket. I understand like Giannis is great going downhill with the ball, but you got Damian Lillard on the team. You the time, the time is rim runner. Say it again. The time is rim runner. He is a rim runner. That is that's true. He's a, he's Not a when I can just run. <laughs> he's a great rim runner, and that's something that should he should use that skill set more, right? So maybe that's something that Doc could implement is more of Dame and Giannis pick and rolls, and Giannis and Dame pick and rolls where they do the inverted pick and roll where mm -hmm. Giannis can take advantage of the small matchup if teams have to switch on that. So mm -hmm. it's going to be something that's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens, you know, there in Milwaukee. Definitely be watching them now, you know, with a very close eye to see what happens there. But, man, that okay. was definitely like some shocking news to see, like, this guy get fired like that. And with Adrian Griffin, you know, it, you feel sorry for him, but you got guaranteed money coming for the next four years. So he's good to go. <laughs> Make your money, black man. Yeah. Make your money. Hey, real quick, Dave, uh, on Three to Hardaway, we officially started the countdown for when uh, Giannis asked for a trade. Uh, how long do you give it before that happened? Because I'm saying when they get kicked out of the first round, it may start as soon as this summer. If they lose in the first round, I can see that. Now, I don't see them losing in the first round because most likely they'll end up playing a team that's inferior to them unless it's the Pacers. But the Pacers, Good right? One. they haven't been playing well Siakam yet, but I think they will pick it up and probably pick up in the seedings. Now, the second round, if they have to play against a Cleveland or Philadelphia in that second round, or if they have to play against Boston, that's when you like, okay, they're probably going to lose this series. And it depends on how they lose. If they lose mm -hmm. in a way where they're supposed to win and they lose, I can see guys asking for a trade. But, yeah, I don't. it's tough, man, because he just signed that extension. But like you say, he's somebody who a lot of people are starting to feel the way you feel. Right. A lot of people found him to be adorable and they found, uh, you know, him trying Oreos for the first time and all the stuff he does as far as like that <laughs> to be adorable. And more people are kind of turning towards your direction of I don't know if this dude is real. I think he's he's putting on an act. And we've seen him have situations where the quote unquote real Giannis came out. Right. The whole ball situation when he scored, I believe he broke the franchise mm -hmm. record. And that was, I believe it was against the Pacers when he broke the franchise mm -hmm. record. And the whole thing happened with the game ball because they gave it to their rookie, which I understand why Giannis was like, yo, I just broke the franchise record. I should get the game ball. The rookie just scored his first point. I get why he's like, okay, that game ball belongs to me. But it went way too far. Like the anger on it was like, yo, <laughs> chill out. Let's get, we could get you the game ball in a different way. Uh, the whole situation with him and Montrez Harold in the ladder uh, after mm -hmm. he was trying to warm up and shoot free throws. So, I think more people are starting to come towards your direction on that. So you might be a prophet when it comes to that. When people start really hating on Giannis, not hating on him, when people start really like disliking Being him. for who he is, who I've always seen him for. <laughs> He's a basketball player, but when I hear people call him the best player in the league, one, I'm like, no, he's not. And for two, I'm thinking if he is y'all quote-unquote best player in the league, the NBA is in trouble. Yeah. That yeah, I can guy. see that because you're saying that there's just not enough skill there for him to be considered the best player in the league. Uh, you get it. Thank you. <laughs> That's why I can talk with you today. This is why I can talk with you. I can see that. I understand why people thought he was the best player in the league because of what he did on both ends of the floor as far as the production. Mm -hmm. And defensively, like, I can get that. And I get your standpoint of it because you want the best player in the league to be able to shoot outside of five feet. You want him to be able to 
you know, have the skill set where they're not getting away with travels or offensive fouls at times. Well, how about just set a pick? Yeah, <laughs> that's a <laughs> that's a that's a big thing. Yes, and him not wanting to set picks. So like that's a that's a real big thing. Like you you make some good points. Like I said, you might be the like if people really turn against Giannis, I'm just gonna like the first tweet that has that has out like the, I'm gonna I'm make sure like people know like my man Tev Shakur was on this before everybody else was <laughs> if people start turning against him because I oh, see the God. turn happening I see the turn happening where people are starting to be like ah you don't know about this Giannis guy so you was the first one that I really saw that was on that where you didn't know you was like I don't know about this dude so I definitely gotta give you your credit for that my man so we go to we talked about a coach getting fired now let's go on the opposite end of the spectrum to the coaches who are considered the best in the league right now. So for the coach of the year, I asked you to come up with your top three candidates for a coach of the year. So who is your number three? Uh, my number three would be Joe Mazzula for the Celtics. Uh, people will say, oh, he got a good team, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he got a good team and he's winning with it. Um, he, they are the best team in the East um, as of now, of course, record-wise. Record um, but if you ask me, you know, four or five months from now who I got in the championship, it will be the Celtics uh, representing the East. Um, and they, like I said, record-wise, they're being coach-wise, still playing defense. Um, you know, Derek White is, is is turning up out of nowhere, you know, especially defensively with, when people thought, you know, get rid of certain players like Marcus Smart and Robert Williams, they have an issue. They go and get Porzingis and, you know, Derek White taking the next step and they missed a beat. Uh, so, like I said, they're playing really good basketball over there. Uh, second would be uh, Nick Nurse. You lose somebody like James Harden. A lot of people would think uh, your offense would take a step back when, you know, you unleash Tyrese Maxey. We've seen what he's doing uh, with the with the, with the the ball in his hands. And, of course, we've seen what Joel and B can do offensively. I mean, 35 points a game as a big man, 70 points as a center is unheard of. So that's their offense. Um, I'm hoping it'll last, you know, especially throughout the playoff time. But it, we're talking about right now, uh, Nick Nurse got the, the Sixers playing basketball and the unheard hero, uh, Pat Bev, full supporter Pat Bev, on and off the court with the spot. He got the Sixers playing good basketball, man. He making sure that, that Joel and B, who had that dog in him, he's bringing them out. I, and I think when we look back at it, uh, Pat Bell will have a huge uh, different why. Uh, and number one, uh, Mark Dana, uh, OKC, great basketball, young team. Uh, we expected them to be one of the top teams, but for sure uh, they are the top team uh, uh, outside of uh, the uh, the Timberwolves, who, uh, of course, I had, you know, the Timberwolves coach Chris Finn on, on one of my lists, but I had to take them off because I did realize that with this talent, you could be doing more. And we'll talk about Anthony Edwards as well, why I think he should be doing more as well. But uh, with OKC, they got the closer in, OK, uh, in, in Shea Alexander. Uh, they got their, their their big man with Shed for the future. They got, you know, Giddy and, you know, Jalen Williams taking that next step. And it's just good to see OKC, uh, again, a young team uh, progressing the way that they should be. OK, I definitely have no problem with your top three, but I do want to get back to Chris Finch. So for my top three, number three, I have Nick Nurse. Like you said, the way he's putting Joel Embiid in position to score and to facilitate that offense and what they're doing defensively. I love what Nick Nurse is doing. Joel Embiid, 70 points. Like, <laughs> yo. And the thing is, the Spurs, they were trying to double him, trying to triple him. Okay, we're going to put Wimby on him, put this length on him. Nothing worked. Like, it was crazy to watch somebody just be that in the zone and score that many points. So I had Chris Finch at number two. So and I have uh, Mark Dano at number one. So we agree on Mark Dano being the coach of the year so far. 
Okay. So for Chris Finch, you said that you think the Timberwolves should be doing more. So we just mm -hmm. saw a game where Carney Towns, when just a little behind the scenes, we had some technical difficulties. So we've had to try to re-record this podcast a few times. We talked about Carney Towns in, a, in our previous recording and talked about how he wasn't really having an all-star type season. It seemed like he mm -hmm. heard us and went out there and dropped 62 points. Dropped right? it. Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, it's the weirdest 60-point game ever because not only did they lose, which has happened, people have scored 60 and lost before. Shoot, Devin Booker scored 70 and they lost. So it, that can happen. But they were up by 18 in the second half. And it seems like he shot them out of the game in the fourth quarter. Now, no one mm -hmm. else on the team showed up. Anthony Edwards had a horrible game. It was Carney Towns carrying them. But mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter, he got benched by Chris Finch because Chris Finch felt like Carney Towns wasn't playing the right way. He was forcing things, trying to get his numbers up, maybe trying to go up to 70 points and got benched. So this to see somebody score 60 points and get I mean, benched. He could have had more. He could have had more. And to get benched in the fourth quarter in a game that is close. We've seen, you know, 60 points and the game's a blowout. You get benched. Kobe did that a bunch of times where he scored 60 and got benched because because the game was out of hand. Mm -hmm. But to see somebody get benched, what do you think about that from a coaching standpoint? And what do you think about that from Cat's standpoint as far as him as a player? I mean, whether or not he's forcing it, he's making the shots. I mean, 60 points and you get benched in a fourth, like you're taking away a moment from his career. And then you lose. Like, if, he, if they would have won... I would, I guess, be more on Coach Finch side, even though you did, again, take away the moment. But because you lose, now everybody in the locker room is kind of looking at you like, hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we in Memphis, are we, we've we been critical of Taylor Jenkins for making crazy decisions with lineups. We're making, you know, defensive, you know, mistakes, you know, lineup mistakes, even offensive mistakes when not being able to draw up sufficient plays, which I'm pretty sure Chris Finch goes, hey, Hey man, you 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 an MVP candidate? Go win us this game, which he's done. So you look at just the specifics of what really Coach Finch does for this team. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And now you know with the recording is like, and I like I said, I had Chris Finch in my top three, but that specifically is like, dang, that's not coach, top three coach material. What you just did, even though y'all still number one, I think they still number one in the uh, Western Conference. Yeah. That was that was a slap in the face to one of your stars. So it's like that that hurt. If I'm cat, that that hurt for sure. Especially when I'm hearing people say, "Oh, he should get traded because without him, they were winning." So it hurt. Yeah, no, that definitely hurt for sure. And with Carney Towns, from his standpoint, Carney Towns is one of the most talented basketball players in the world, right? But with him. But one of the reasons I thought I didn't think that he could be a top guy is that his decision making at times is horrible. It's okay. horrible. I remember a couple of years ago when you guys played him in the playoffs and they just kept dropping 25 point leads. Mm -hmm. Like it just, mm -hmm. just they would get up by 25 and you guys would come storming back. And they one game he did like two separate times where they had 25 point leads in two separate occasions in the same game and gave it up. Now, part mm -hmm. of that is the NBA today with the three-point shot and how teams can go on runs. I get that. But another part of that is Cardinal Towns just not being able to handle the moment. And hearing, like, people who watch the game, like one of my guys, Danny Thompson, he's an NBA reporter for Charlotte, him talk about how he was like, man, the first half, Cardinal Towns couldn't miss. And, of course, you expect him to slow down, right? You expect somebody – you don't expect anybody in basketball just to make 100% of their shots. You expect him to slow down a little bit. But he was like, in the second half, 
that bad Carney Towns came out, the decision-making, the bad fouls, all those things. So I wonder if Finch was like, okay, let me bench him and see if that, you know, just wakes him up a little bit. But he says he put him back in the game and it still didn't change. Uh, so for Finch, I, he probably was in a tough position where he was like, okay, he's going off, he's having the game of his life. But now in the fourth quarter, we're seeing that bad cat come out where the bad decision-making and that stuff is going on. So let me see if I can bench him and maybe wake him up a little bit. But the thing is, no one else on the team got going. Now, part of that may be where one person's taking all the shots. You know, we've, we've gone through that on 2K, right? Where you, you got one person taking all the shots. You're like, oh, man, I ain't getting no type of rhythm. And you, no one else is scoring. So that could be part of it. But another part of it is you're trying to feed him. Where if you have somebody going like that, you're like, okay, let me keep giving him the ball because he's just scorching right now. And it got to the point where they let Charlotte, of all teams, who – Right now, they just traded Terry Rozier, one of their best players, and they're looking to trade Gordon Hayward. They're sellers. They're looking to just go ahead and bottom out for the season. So to lose a game like that to that team is really bad. But I still got to give Finch credit because, like I said earlier, defense is where I really give the credit to coaches, and that defense has been awesome this year. That's so elite. Yeah, it's been elite. Yeah. So I have to give him credit for what they've been able to do. But we agree on Mark Daynall as coach of the year halfway through the year. Oh, yeah. KC. So oh, yeah. now let's talk about the rookie of the year who may also be in OKC. It's two candidates, Chet Holmgren and Victor Wimbenyama. Who do you have for rookie of the year so far in the midway point of the season? Give me young Chet, man, even though this quote unquote may or may not be his rookie year. This is rookie year, man. Stop out of cap. Uh, 17, uh, what's it, seven and a half rebounds, two and a half blocks. Uh, you're flirting with a 50, 40, 80. I mean, that's that's impressive as a Ricky. And I think you want to reward winning at the same time. And his team for sure will be in the playoffs. Of course, the pressure will be on him for to see how they rise as, and as the whole team. Uh, but when you talk about Ricky of the year and doing what you're supposed to, holding the paint down uh, and still being, being able to knock down the, the wide open three, I mean, you're, that's, that's generational talent. The same can, can be said about Wimby for sure. Um, but I think, like I said, it's going to come down to winning. Uh, the Spurs will be back in the, in the lottery uh, while the OKC will be fighting for the number one seed in the West. So you got to reward winning. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I agree that Victor Wembanyama, especially, has been playing better lately since they moved him to center and they have a real point guard actually out there passing the ball. So they've been playing, he's been playing better since then. But you still have to give credit to what Chet Holmgren is doing with actual stakes on the line. He's putting up these numbers. You mentioned the efficiency when they need him to win. And they've been winning. They're the second seed in the Western Conference right now. And a big part of that is due to him. Now, of course, their leading force is SGA. But to have him as the second or third guy, depending on where you rank uh, J-Dub, Jalen Williams, for him to be that important to that team that is a championship contender as a rookie is very, very impressive. Uh, I hate the argument that he's not a rookie because he was drafted last year. He didn't play. He didn't play. So he and we've seen it before. Blake Griffin didn't play his rookie year or didn't play his first year on its contract. Was still on rookie of the year the next year. Same thing with Ben Simmons. So we've seen it happen before. Uh, so this isn't that thing. They, I know people had the arguments that year. I still remember Donovan uh, Mitchell wearing his rookie sweatshirt with the definition of rookie on it because he, he wanted to wear rookie of the year that year that Ben Simmons won it. So this is an argument that's definitely been there for a while. But Chet Holmgren deserves to have the rookie of the year so far now victor wimiyama still right there so if this changes where victor wimiyama let's say the spurs go on some type of run they're not gonna make the playoffs or anything like that but let's say they go on a run and become decent the second half of the year he can still make a run for the award 
but I do have Chet Holmgren with the lead right now because of what he's doing for a winning team. I think that really matters. So let's get to our next award. The next award isn't a traditional award. This one is one that I came up with. It's called the OK, I See You Award. And when Black people say, OK, I see you, that's their way of giving you a compliment, right? Like I'm really digging Tev's hat right there, like the throwback Grizzlies mm -hmm. right there. So I would say, OK, I see you. I like that hat right there. Or you might say, OK, I see you. You know, I'll, I'll see what you're doing out there as far as your career. I see what you're doing. OK, I see you. You know, one of my favorite ones, if you have a Shannon Sharp type figure in your family and you bring your spouse home for the first time, you might hear, OK, nephew, yeah. I see you. Okay, nephew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So that's something that you might hear in the Black household or just Black culture, period. So for the OK, I See You Award, this is for the team that we thought that we didn't have high expectations for that is better than we thought they would be coming into the year. So who is your winner for the OK, I See You Award for the midseason point of the year? I think in a way, mine kind of goes like we kind of had high expectations, but at the same time, they're finally, you know, coming into their own. Right. Uh, so I got to go with the Clippers. Um, they're a fun team to watch. Um, they're selfless. Uh, and I'm saying this, even though like I'm not a big fan of James Harden, I never have been. He's been able to come and do what he's supposed to with this Clippers team. And enough for, you know, Russ, who y'all, you know, y'all called selfish last year, you know, a vampire in the locker room. He's like, hey, bro, I love what I love what we got going out here. I come off the bench and still doing his thing and just. It, it seems like the Clippers are doing a great job finding, you know, players from L.A. for one with Paul George and Kawhi being from that area. But it's like they're doing a great job of finding the culture fit of players, because, like I said, do, do I expect James Harden later on in the season or in the playoffs to not show up? Kind of sort of because that's kind of who he is. But you still got Kawhi Leonard, who's won a championship on two different teams and is looking to bring a championship to L.A. Uh, Paul George, who, you know, is still doing this thing on a podcast, is, you know, producing on the court as one of the smoothest basketball players to ever play. And then, like I said, Norman Powell and all of the other role players doing their thing. Like the Clippers are a, a, a top four team in the Western Conference right now. And I think they can maintain that. So, of course, we're going to judge the team in the playoffs and how they perform there. But for right now. Clippers, I see uh, y'all Y'all looking like y'all having fun playing basketball, and I love to see it. Yeah, no, that's a great pick, man, because a lot of people, including myself, were not so sure about the James Harden trade itself, where you're like, okay, James Harden, he's but this is like, how many teams has he been on the last few years, right? Right. You think about after Houston, you know, it was Brooklyn, then it was Philly, now it's the Clippers. It's like, dang, how many places is he going to go to? Is he ever going to be truly happy? in any place where he's not the guy, right? Where he's not treated as he was in Houston, where in Houston, where he was getting 60 point triple doubles, of course, you're gonna be treated differently because you're an MVP candidate year in and year out. So are you gonna be happy being on this team, the third option behind the Kawhi and Paul George? But it seems like he has really accepted that role. He's really elevated the level of Zubak, their center. They've been playing really well in the pick and roll together. And I do like watching him play. And I'm I'm with you. I've been the same way about James Harden. Where I didn't enjoy watching James Harden play as great as he was. I didn't love the dribble, 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 step back, dribble, dribble, dribble. Let me try to draw. Jump into, right. Like, like uh, just uh, basketball. Uh, it still creeped me out to this day. <laughs> exactly. I wasn't a big fan of it. So to see him be able to change his game and adapt the way he has with the Clippers. And you mentioned Russell Westbrook. The story of Russell Westbrook and him being called a cancer in the locker room and all that stuff really makes us reporters look bad 
So when I say mm -hmm. us, because I'm working in media as well, and get your people, huh? Get your people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, sorry, we got to talk about Luca later too, but it makes us look bad because all of us are not trying to do that. Like I'm just trying to talk about basketball and you know how great these players are, and if there are players who need to be called out because they're not playing well, I'm willing to do that as well. But I'm not willing to take it to that next level where it seems like I'm making up stuff. Or an anonymous source told me he's a, a cancer in the locker room. If you're not going to tell me, if you're not going to allow me to put your name on it, then I'm probably not going to use it. That's kind of one of my rules. Because now you're going to come back to me as a reporter and say that I said it or that I made it up. When mm. I'm like, nah, this person said this and I got it recorded. That's, a, that's exactly. gonna be the, the, the first thing I'm like, yo, I got a video of him saying this. So you can't come to me and say I didn't like... So that's why I don't like the anonymous source thing. I hate the anonymous source. I've never used that in one of my articles where an anonymous source says such and such. Now, I've never been that big on that level either to where I had people who wanted to be anonymous say stuff to me. So maybe that's a different level where people like a Woj or a Shams have those type of relationships. I don't have that yet. And probably not, I'm not an insider type, so I'm probably not going to have that. But it's something where it just feels icky to me to not to say like something that discouraging about somebody and not have a name to put to it. Like, if you're going to say it, because the thing is, I'm going to report it. Like, if you're going to say that to me, I got to report it because that's part of our job. But I'm going to make sure like, so-and-so said this about Russell Westbrook, and that's going to be the article, not anonymous source says this, because I, I hate that. We need but more so, people like you. <laughs> which I appreciate that. So I'm with you on the Clippers. So for my OKICU team, we just talked about them, the Minnesota Timberwolves. First in the Western Conference. I did not expect it. I thought they would be decent because currently mm -hmm. Towns missed a lot of time last year. I think he missed like 50 games last year with injury. So right. I thought for sure this year they will be better with him being healthy. But to see how they're playing defensively, Rudy Gobert being a defensive player of the year candidate. Some of Carney Towns actually being decent on defense this year. Anthony Edwards and McDaniels being shut down perimeter defenders. Your star players like Anthony Edwards buying in on defense. That goes a lot to his personality, but also goes to the coaching as well. But Minnesota only giving up 107.3 points per game, number one in the league by far. You have to give them all the credit in the world for that. And I love what I see what they're doing. Now, come playoff time, can they continue to play the same way? Is the 20th ranked offense going to be good enough to beat a team like the Clippers, the Pelicans, OKC, Phoenix Suns, mm. all the other teams out there, the Denver Nuggets? Like, it's going to be really tough come playoff time if their offense doesn't improve. But I do have to give them credit right now as the OKICU team because I didn't expect them to be the number one seed in the Western Conference. I don't think anybody did. So I have to give them credit for that. I like that. Yeah. So now let's go on the opposite end of the spectrum. So one of my favorite movies of all time is Life, right? Now, mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with that movie, Life is a movie starring Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy, a plethora of comedians. Jane including Lane, late Jane Lane. <laughs> yes, including oh, the late great... Lady. Yeah, the late great Bernie Mac uh, and can't get right is a character in the movie who for some reason couldn't talk. He just couldn't get right. Now I remember that the scene where, you know, they give him the name, the, the guy who runs the prison is asking him questions and he's not saying anything. And one of the older gentlemen steps up like, sir, don't be mad at him. He's not trying to be disrespectful. For some reason, he just can't get right. <laughs> and mm. for this award, we're going to give it to the team that we thought was going to be better than they are. But for some reason, they just can't get right. So who is your can't get right mm. team for the midway point of the season? 
I think it'd be remiss of me not to just give a shout out to Mr. Can't Get Right himself, Jordan Poole. Uh, y'all <laughs> thought he was going to come and average 20, 25 points a game. And <laughs> okay, yeah, so salute to him. Uh, but my Yo, before, you, before you go on, <laughs> my worst prediction of all time, my worst prediction of all time <laughs> before the season. I was like, yo, Jordan Poole going to a new situation. He ain't got to get that punch behind him. He got a team to himself now. He's going to mature. Most mm-hmm. improved player, Jordan Poole. The worst yeah. prediction yeah. I've ever made <laughs> <laughs> in my life. Jordan Poole has let me down in such a major way. Oh, my God. Like, not only is he not most improved, but he might be the most regressed. Like, I should I should have put that award on this show. Most regressed player Jordan Poole. But I just had to say that because Jordan Poole, I've never looked so stupid <laughs> making a prediction. <laughs> but picking Jordan Poole for most improved player before the year, worst prediction I ever made in my life. Uh, and I, I and I laugh at everybody who thought the same that that, that you know the, the with you. You know, that's just a running joke on, on Let's Be Real. Is like I've seen Jordan Poole since his rookie year to what he is now. Granted, he did help the Warriors win a championship and he did make some spectacular plays. Don't get it twisted. But it's just a mature thing. It's it's a mental thing. And, you know, you give them to a full team and everybody's going to be trying to lock you up. It's inevitable that you're not going to go out and score 20, 25 points a game because you don't have the mental, you know, capability to. So will he get there? Maybe. I, I hope so because I, I I want him to do good, but nah. Uh, so, uh, but to answer the the can't get right team, uh, I, I, I think John, ain't John Poole from Michigan? I think so. Yeah, he like from Michigan, something like that. Uh, the playoff Pistons, or let me take the playoff part away. Uh, coming into the season, that's what I call the Pistons, the playoff Pistons. They've disappointed me to the highest degree. Uh, did I think they lose games? Of course. Did I think they'd be a lower seed at least to make the play in? For you know, at least for sure. Did I expect them to come into this season and lose the most amount of games in a row? Hell no. And they managed to do that. So, you know, uh, the Pistons, uh, they're playing bad basketball, even though they got a win last night. Um, Monty Williams, I guess he got some figuring out to do. And I think we're watching, you know, as this thing unfolds unfolds in in, in Detroit um, of him figuring out who we want to roll with and who, you know, is going to be expandable. And it is trade deadline time, too. So um, I still believe in Monty Williams. Um, I believe in the bag that he's going to spend. Um, I, I believe that, you know, the Pistons have to be sacrificed with the Lions to do what they're doing in the playoffs. So, you know, <laughs> everything can be true. You know, everything can be true. But, you know, shout out to the Pistons. Maybe I can call y'all that next season. But damn, y'all disappointed the hell out of me. Yeah, like I think Detroit fans have to take it because Michigan won national championship. Lions. That too. That too. Yeah, in the NFC championship game. So I, I definitely hear you on the sacrifice. Like I feel like a sacrifice had to be made. Because the Lions, this is the first time the Lions have won a playoff game, let alone two, a playoff game in 30 years. Like, we was babies when the last time the Lions won a playoff game. So this is something that had to happen. But I am surprised that they're this bad, right? I thought that Detroit may be a team that could maybe fight for a play-in spot, fight for that Tim seed this year. Especially because I literally, I really love Kay Cunningham, Jaden Ivey. I think they're really talented. Um, the who's the rook, What's the rookie's name, the twin? Uh, Asar, yeah. Asar, Asar can't shoot the Asar, same thing. One of the but, dopest names in the world, Asar yeah, Thompson. Is a dope name, but he can't shoot to save his life. Uh, and they they gotta get him in the they gotta get him in the gym with a shooting machine 
pronto, like just lock him in there. Like we got to get you in there because he's definitely a good talent. And he's caught some bodies this year, and you're like, okay, I see the athleticism, see what he can be defensively. But you got to be able to shoot the ball at, your, at that position, especially in the NBA today. So he's got to get better at that. But Monty Williams got the bag, you know, like you say, get that money, black man, for sure. But with mm-hmm. the bag, you got to make that turnaround. And hopefully that turnaround comes soon. Uh, but this year is definitely a year where he's just trying to figure out what they're going to be going forward. And, you know, the rotation. And have you given up? I know you've been a big guy. I got to ask you about your man. Have you given up on James Wiseman? Nah, I can't give up on James, man. I I, I can never he because he he's still a good kid at heart. Uh, he went to my high school, you know, went to U of M for like ten days, you know, and I've I've you know I, I rock with him, man. I I can never give up on James Wiseman. Do I think he needs to go to another? I think he needs to come home. To be honest with you, um, and I think he he'll get you know fresh legs up out of him. But I I, I can't because I seen I seen him do some amazing things. Granted, it was high school. Granted, it was the ten days he was a tiger, but. He was worthy of the number two pick, you know, and Steve Kerr, don't get me started on how he treat his youngsters to now in Detroit when they trying to figure out they ish with 17 players playing the same position is bring them home, man. Just, just bring them home. OK, I can see that, you know, Jog gets healthy next year. You have that pick and roll where he throwing lives to James Wiseman. Maybe that can unlock him. I can see that working out. So I'm going to keep hope alive for James Wiseman as well. But he should get more time now. You know, They did get rid of one of those guys in that same position. They got rid of Marvin right. Bagley because they, for some reason, they signed Marvin Bagley to a three-year, like, $60 million contract. For what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't know why they did that. So they had to get rid of that contract. So they got rid of him. Uh, so I think that James Wiseman will get more time, and hopefully he'll start to improve as far as his play. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my can't-get-right team, I went with a team that I thought was going to be top three in the Western Conference. Last year, after the trade deadline, they made a bunch of moves. They got Rui Hachimura. Oh, they, 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 they oh went out, come they, on. They went out and made all these moves, and they made a run to the Western Conference Finals. Now, they got swept in the Western Conference Finals, but they made a run to the Western Conference Finals. So coming into this year, I thought the Lakers were going to be good. I am like, okay, Lakers are going to be really good this year. I can see them being a top three team in the Western Conference. That was my prediction. But right now, as we talk, they're 22 and 23, one game under 500. And I'm shocked. I'm not going to lie to you because Anthony, De- Anthony Davis has been healthy this year. He's only missed two games. LeBron James has been healthy this year. Austin Reeves has been decent, you know. In the words of our guy, you know, Trevor from Fat Boy Fade Away, he's okay, but he's not real, you know, and the, for the from the Jay-Z lyric. But this team, for some reason, offensively, just can't get it together. They're still a good defense. They're not as good as they were last year defensively. Like, last year, they were a great defensive team. This year, they're good. And when you're only good on defense, that means that your offense has to make up for that. You have to at least be mm-hmm. average to good on offense. But they're bad on offense. Like True. They're a bad offensive team. Like, 23rd in ranked offense right now. Like, right there with, like, Charlotte and them. Like, they're really bad offensively. Jeez. So, when you're talking about a, a team – that should be a contender. They can't be that bad offensively unless they're great on defense. Like Minnesota's 20th in offense, but they're great on defense. So it's, it manages to make up for that. So with the Lakers, with Anthony Davis balling out, LeBron James having another all-star year, I just don't get why they don't have enough offensively. And it seems like they need another guy who can initiate the offense, be a facilitator, and also be somebody to take all, just take some of that weight off of LeBron James. Because at this stage in LeBron's career, 
he's still great, but he needs somebody else to take that pressure off of him. That's why mm -hmm. you'll see, if you're watching the Lakers game, you'll see times where Austin Reeves will be in and LeBron will call Austin Reeves over and like, hey, you run it. I'm going to go chill in the corner real quick for this, these few possessions. You run pick and roll with AD. You do something. You make it work. And they need somebody who can do that on a more consistent basis. And we talked about on your show when I was a guest how people are like, oh, they can't give up Austin Reeves. What? What, what are we talking about? Like, Austin Reeves is giving you, like, 15 points a game, and he's a liability on defense. Like, a true liability. Like, when Phoenix played them a few weeks back, Bradley Bill searched out Austin Reeves. Like, pick and roll. <laughs> really? Really, Bob. <laughs> he, like, when he really went at Austin. Like, oh, no, bring set a pick, make him guard me, and went at him and went off that game. Like, you can't have that be your third guy when he's that much of a liability. Now, I know Zach Levine isn't the best defender, but he's still athletic enough to where you can't just search him out and be like, we're going to go at Zach Levine every single play. Like, there's teams when they play against the Lakers, they're like, we're going to go at Austin Reeves every single play. We're not going to run the offense. We get running our plays and our sets. We're going at Austin Reeves. So for him to be a guy who can get you 15 points a game but also be an extreme defensive liability, I think that's a big problem for them. Uh, D'Angelo Russell hasn't been good this year. He's been benched and minutes have been gone for him. I think, honestly, they should have kept Stroder. Like, I don't know why they just let Stroder go like that. They definitely should have held on to him. Um, that's one thing they didn't do was bring him back from last year. Uh, Hachimura has been hot and cold this year as well. So you haven't had that third guy outside of LeBron and AD consistently to provide that offense for him. I think that's the major issue. But because of that, they just can't get right. And that's why they're my can't get right team for this year. My my guess is they just gonna wait on the trade deadline to get John St. Murray. Like I don't understand why he's not wearing the Lakers uniform because he fit everything that you talk about. Uh he's been unleashed with with Trey Young being out right now with the Hawks and he's doing what he what he's doing. He, he needs this opportunity in, in L.A. to play next to LeBron, to be able to help, you know, facilitate and do, you know, and, and guard the best, you know, player on the perimeter. Like, Jonte Murray literally is the perfect fit. So, Lakers, get your head out your asses. If they're asking for Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves bye. You know, they ask, whoever they're asking for, you barely got picks anyway, but whatever picks at, do it. But y'all need y'all need that extra piece. Y'all need that extra spark because if not, yeah, it, it ain't looking too good for the Lakers. Who I think a step up in playoff time, but y'all, you still gonna go against the Nuggets and y'all playing like that ain't gonna yeah. get you in the championship. So right now at 22 and 23, they are the ninth seed ninth in the seed. Western mm -hmm. Conference right now. So not only are they in danger of missing the playoffs, but they're in danger of missing the play in as they're only two games ahead of the Houston Rockets right now. So they need to get together before they find themselves either completely right there with the you know the warriors who definitely could be our can't get right team hey 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 we we going through some things right now just just let us be just let us yeah, be right they, yeah no for sure they're definitely going through some things and definitely got to send out of condolences to their team and you know the family of their assistant coach who passed away that's definitely tragic but as far as their team this year they definitely could be in that can't get right situation because yeah. they're a team that looks like they're probably going to miss the play-in, let alone the playoffs this year with the way that they're playing. Uh, so it's the Western Conference is deep, man. It's, it's really deep out there in the Western Kyle Conference. Kyle Draymond, OG can't get right. <laughs> <laughs> bro, God Draymond, it's wild, bro. So, like, quick story. I was there at the game when Draymond hit Yusef Nurkic, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so... 
it was uh, my job, my uh, assignment was to do the away team press conference. Yeah. So I'm not expecting Draymond to come in. I'm not expecting to send Draymond in. And Draymond comes in. And of course, the first question is like, yo, what happened? <laughs> like, what, like, what happened? And he starts going into how, oh, he was just trying to, you know, get the referee's attention and, you know, get a get a foul. I'm like, bro, I know I didn't play basketball at the highest level, but I've played it my whole life. There's no need to do a full 180 turning karate chop to somebody's face when you're trying trying to get the referee's attention. <laughs> like there's no there's no need to do that, bro. And he really like and the thing is, it seemed like he really believed it. It seemed like he really believed hmm. what he was saying. But the part where I almost like said something because I didn't have any question to ask. Like they asked the pretty much they asked like five different versions of the same question. Like what mm -hmm. happened? Did you see the replay? What were your thoughts in that moment? Stuff like that. So I didn't have anything to ask, really. But the part where I wanted to say something, he said, you know, I'm not that accurate of a puncher. So how would I be able to turn around and hit him after doing a 180 spin? And I wanted to yell out so bad, yo, we saw you punch Jordan Poole in the face. So you got you you know what? And that is your reason because you would be viral right now, my guy. You Dang. would be viral right now. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me wanted to do that, but it's like that's then I'm making the story about me. And this shouldn't be about me. I like I should have came up with a way in that moment to ask a question and bring that into it. To like slip. So how like, are you? How are you able to perfectly size up Jordan Poole and <laughs> be able to connect with his face so bad that it knocks him out? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I and but I was so taken back by the fact that he said he's not an accurate puncher, and like, <laughs> and like I said, I couldn't think of an accurate kicker either, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like Draymond is wild, man. Draymond is a wild dude. So we'll have to see if the Warriors yeah. can get it together. I doubt the rest of this year and the Lakers as well, mm -hmm. as I can't get right teams and the Pistons for next year. For next year with the Pistons, see if they can yeah. make a run. <laughs> yeah. So now let's talk about people who are right, who are getting it right. Let's talk about our most improved player. Who do you have as your most improved player so far? Uh, it'll be Mr. Tyrese Maxey. I think that should be the consensus for uh for most improved for the year for sure. Um, going from twenty points a game, twenty six a game, uh, three and a half assists to almost seven. Um, and just he he he's been like I said unlocked with James Harden leaving, and you can just tell that you know the Sixers look for him to be him. Um, look for him to score the ball. You know, I think, he, like I said, he's averaging 26, 27 a game, and he don't look like he's slowing down anytime soon, uh, which, again, helps the Sixers uh, with everything that they got going on. It does give Embiid that extra sidekick of scoring uh, when Tobias Harris ain't, ain't, ain't hitting shots or, you know, Kelly Oubre or, any, or, you know, anybody like that ain't able to help Maxi go get us a bucket, and he's been able to do that uh, at a good pace, at a good pace um, this season, so. Uh, most improves. I gotta go with Tyrese Max, man. Keep doing your thing. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't really have much to add. You killed it as far as your explanation. And I love how he stepped up to the plate. How okay, James Harden's going, it's gonna be on you to be the lead guard. And now we see, like, okay, this is what's gonna happen now. With you being the lead guard, you can handle the responsibility. So I really like I stepped up to the plate and handled that responsibility. 
so real quick on the 76ers, do you think they need to make a trade before the trade deadline to really be championship contenders or can they do it with this current squad? No, because I like to see the pressure that's put on Chris Wallace, not Chris Wallace. Oh my God, I hate him. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> What's the general manager name? Uh, well, I'm having a big brain fall for whatever. Oh, Daryl Moore. Daryl Moore, Daryl Moore. Uh, they in the same boat to me. They're the same people, in my opinion, and I'm not a big fan of either one. Uh, so I like when the pressure's on them, and the Six is going to have a big – they're going to have one of the most uh, highest cap room spots in over the summer because uh, I believe Tyrese is still on his rookie contract. And you talk about Tobias Harris, who I think is on a one-year uh, left, and uh, you know a whole bunch of different things. But however you want to look at it, they're going to have some money over the summer. Um, if you make a move now, it's going to be for a player that I believe is going to be in that system. Uh, so I think just stand down, see see what you're looking like, and go from there. And have you know, I think this is gonna be one of the more important summers uh, for the for the Sixers. And I hope there more fails. <laughs> I hope you do. Uh, so to answer your question, no, I don't think they should make a move um, unless it's for a player who a you know one year deal, you know, make sure you get them off the contract, or b uh, with somebody a star that's gonna be there for for the time being. Yeah, the only person I can see them making a trade for. Um, we talked about on your guys' podcast is DeJounte Murray. I think that he would be a really good that. fit as a true point guard. Even at his size, he could be a true point guard. And we talked about, you know, Maxi increasing his assists, but he's still not a true point. Like he's still, mm -hmm. he's one of those guys that you would call a killer. He's one of those guys that he mm -hmm. goes in, he wants to score buckets. He can run the pick and roll. He can get the assist with Embiid, but you want him to be a killer. Mm -hmm. And can DeJounte Murray come in? Even though he could be a killer as well, he could be somebody who can run your offense. And I think that that could be a good trade for them. But do you give up Tobias Harris for that? Tobias Harris has played well this year, but he's a guy who, when it comes to those clutch moments in the playoffs, do you trust Tobias Harris to be the that third scoring option for you? Or would you have rather have DeJounte Murray? I think that's mm -hmm. the big question they got to ask themselves, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. That's that's an interesting one, too. Yeah. If it's a way you can get DeJounte without giving up Tobias, go for it. But, of course, you got to make your money work. That's That's, that's interesting. Yeah, I, they definitely have some tough decisions to make because they have a team. I do believe this team can contend. I believe this team can make it to the Eastern Conference Absolutely. Finals. They can beat Milwaukee or Cleveland or whoever they face in the second round. And they shouldn't have to run until Boston until the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's where mm -hmm. things could get, you know, a little iffy for them. But I think they could definitely make the Eastern Conference Finals. So now let's get to sixth man of the year. Who's the man coming off the bench who's killing this year? Who'd you have as a, your six man of the year so far? Uh, shout out to the podcast namesake, uh, Mr. Hardaway himself, Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, of course, uh, we like to joke about him how inconsistent he, you know, has has been. Um, but I don't think you can make that joke this year. Um, he's been averaging 18 a game, uh, coming off the bench for the Mavericks, who again with a team with Luca Dunches, a team with Kyrie Irving, uh, two ball dominant guards, and you still coming in and not only, you know, average you know, what you're averaging, but do it at more of a consistent clip, you know, and, and, and start to shut people up like myself, start to shut us up. Um, so if I had to pick one, I definitely got to salute uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, just keep doing your thing. Um, you know, just continue to be consistent. That's all we've been asking for. Now, I love that pick. I love that pick. Um, just maybe a week ago, they played against the New Orleans Pelicans back to back. They had two games in Dallas and it was weird because the first game, uh, New Orleans sat their starters pretty much outside of JV, who's missing consistent, plays every game. They sat their starters and Trey Murphy. And New Orleans won because our rookie, Jordan Hawkins, went off. 
The second game, we bring our starters back. Like, oh, we should win this game. We just beat them without our starters. But in the second game, we lose because Tim Hardaway Jr. went off and had like 40 points. Uh, and he's somebody who's been able to do that. You know, we, we know he can do that, right? He has the famous clip with him and Deion Waiters going back and forth in that rookie sophomore game that year. Good time. Coming <laughs> yeah, Good coming, time. They're coming down, shooting threes. So we know he's had his ability his whole career. But like you said, the consistency. And this year, it seems like that's what he's finding, that consistency to be able to do it. Not only when he's coming off the bench, but when he's had to come in because, you know, Luca, Kyrie, they're going to miss time from time to time. He's been able to step up in those starter roles during those times and play big as well. And that's why Dallas this year, right now they're in the A spot, but it looks like they're going to make the playoffs this year because of the consistency of him along with Luca and Kyrie. So I like that pick. Uh, I went with Malik Monk. I like Malik Monk a lot. I'm mad at that. Yeah, he's ultra talented, man. That dude is crazy talented. And he's somebody who people sleep on, but he'll catch a body every now and again as well. <laughs> he's, like he got he got dumb hops uh, and crazy athletic ability, great shot. Like he's somebody who's not scared of the moment at all. Shooting thirty nine percent from three this year, averaging fifteen points and five assists off the bench. So he's somebody who you can run your offense through to not only just score buckets but facilitate for you as well. And Sacramento definitely needs that off the bench, especially with players like Kevin Herter not playing up to their ability this year. Uh, Keegan Murray struggled from the field somewhat this year as well. So they needed other players to step up in their struggles. And I think Malik Monk did that, has done that in a big way. He remind me of J.R. Smith. Ooh, I like that comparison. I like that comparison. J.R. Smith, yeah. J.R. Smith, man, I feel like, you know how some people, you feel like if you did their career over, they could be like so much better. Like I feel like J.R. Smith, if you did his career over because – First, you know, I'm a from originally from New Orleans. So when he got drafted to the New Orleans Hornets at the time, mm. I was in I was in high school at that time, I believe, or mm. I had middle school. So like when he came in the league first, you know, he was with you know Byron Scott was the coach. Byron Scott wasn't really messing with rookies at that time, especially somebody fresh, fresh out of high school. So he was he was kind of like pushed to the side a little bit, but we got to see a little bit of it in New Orleans. But then when he got to Denver, that's when we really saw it. And he like he really took off. And I was like, man, I feel like if JR, like if you read, redid JR's career and he could have gotten more guidance early on and and didn't have to worry with Byron Scott. And then he's talked to himself about how he, he doesn't mess with George Carl. So if he would have had different coaches man. early on that really rock with him and really would have guided him in the right direction, I feel like JR Smith could have had a much better career because his talent was crazy. He, he, crazy. Is the, he is the greatest player to not be an all-star. Oh, nah, that's debatable. I love that debate. But anybody want to ask me more, I'm going to say, OK, well, did you play up against him in 2K? <laughs> he was J.R. Smith definitely is one of the all time 2K come players. Like, come on, like, like, come on, man. I'm a J.R. Stan, man. Definitely the best player to not be an all-star. And I love I, I would love I love for you to clip this part up and, and have people respond. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, let's this find somebody. Let's find somebody better. Yeah, now nah, that's definitely a clip part right there. For my guy who's the best to not be on an all-star team, uh, Lamar Odom's tough, man. Lamar Odom was tough. Lamar didn't make one? Nah, he didn't. Yeah, that's tough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, Lamar that's tough. tough. Okay, okay. So yeah, Lamar Odom, uh, my guy, CJ McCollum, got to be in that conversation as well. Um, CJ made it one year. Nah, he didn't. He never made it. 
Okay. Jay, I got some calm. <laughs> Jay, you got some calm down, but I'm rocking with you. <laughs> I'm rocking with you, Jay. <laughs> yeah, there's a few people we got to put in there. Uh, Jalen Rose, you know, the freshest headline in the game. You got to put him yeah. in that conversation as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's a, there's a few players. But JR is definitely right there at the top of that conversation when it comes to the best guys to not make an all-star team. So we'll definitely clip this part and put it out there to see who else, who else people come up with, you know, for that conversation. So now let's talk about one thing JR probably wasn't known for defense. So oh, yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. Until he played in the finals. And when he got in the finals, that's true. Hey. That's true. Hey. Now nah, that's true. He he when those Cleveland years came around, there was a different JR we saw on defense. That's for sure. I'll give him that. But let's talk about the defensive player of the year so far. Who do you have as your defensive player of the year? I got somebody that's making us look crazy. I ain't gonna say crazy, but I mean. Five five first round picks is is outlandish for a guy that can't shoot. Uh, but I'm, of course, I'm going with Rudy Gobert. Uh, back to averaging two blocks a game, holding the paint down. Uh, for what we've talked about, the number one defensive team in the NBA right now. Um, again, there we're the the Timberwolves are making that trade look like okay, maybe they do have their center for the future. Like, was it was is he worth you know five first round picks? Nah. But at the same time, you do you can make cat expendable. You can go out and see who you can bring in uh, to help your future. Um, who is Ant Man, and you know, and, and see what you can do, which I think probably will happen. Hopefully, sooner than later. Um, but again, Rudy Gobert averaging two blocks a game, doing what you're supposed to. Of course, he's won it before, hadn't won in a in a minute. Uh, but I give it to him this year for sure. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Rudy Gobert has been holding down the paint. And also his mobility seems a lot better this year. And I've um I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how Rudy was hurt last year. I don't know what the injury was, but he definitely wasn't himself last year. And this year you can tell he's healthy, moving around. There's one clip where he's they're playing against the Thunder. And you see him like on one possession, he's guarding Chet, they switch, he guards SGA, they switch again, he guards J Dub, and then he blocks a shot at the rim. You're like, wow, oh. Okay, like that's like that's right. crazy. And to see him being able to do that, you're like, okay, you see why they're so good defensively. Like, mm-hmm. of course, Anthony Edwards and McDaniel holding it down a perimeter is a big part of that. But when that breaks down, you have somebody at the rim who's going to make it super hard for you to score at the rim and also has done a better job of being mobile, which come playoff time is going to be the big thing. So we've seen in the past where he's had teams in Utah that were great defensively during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Come playoff time, Rudy Gobert got played off the floor. Mm-hmm. Is that going to happen this year? That's where they can make us look foolish. If Rudy Gobert balls out in the playoffs and they make it to the finals or they win a championship, that's where the trade, they'll be able to laugh at all of us and say, we knew what we was doing. But if he's not able to be on the floor in the playoffs, especially in clutch moments, then we still could laugh at him and say, yo, you gave up five first round picks and a bunch of players. And some of those players have turned out to be good. Like Walker Kessler turned out to be a good player for Utah. Like, so you can't like, it's still a bad trade. He's playing well, mm-hmm. but it's still a horrible trade until he does it in the playoffs. But for right now, he's on his way mm-hmm. to getting his fourth defensive player of the year. And for the Rudy Gobert haters out there, we got to recognize it. Dude's a future Hall of Famer. And you talk about yeah. multiple-time defensive player of the years, Kimmy Mutombo, four-time defensive player of the year, Hall of Fame. You got a Ben Wallace, four-time defensive player of the year, Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Dwight Howard, three times, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You think of all the other great defenders who held down the paint in that way are all in the Hall of Fame or will be. Rudy Gobert will be a Hall of Famer. We just got to deal with it. 
We got to deal with it. Uh, yeah, you talk about popularity. The whole world should know who Rudy Gobert is at this point now. They, 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 that's, that's what he that's did three true. years ago, you nasty bastard. See, that's the thing. Like, he brought it on himself by doing the stupid stuff like touching the mics and he, he, he licked the mic or something nasty. like that. Yeah, yeah when because he, he didn't think COVID was real. And yeah. he was the first, he was the first NBA player to catch it. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's brought some of this on himself for sure. Crying when he didn't make the all-star team that one time. And then he got so I don't expect to make it this year. <laughs> that's a, that's, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll see if he if he makes our list for the all-star team this year as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, Rudy Gobert's definitely brought some of it on himself, you know, Draymond Green making fun of the man for crying for not making the all-star team and then choking the man out. <laughs> in the game, like Draymond Green's a menace for real. He's a he's oh, really he can't get right. <laughs> he's really a menace for real. All right, so now let's talk about most valuable players. So for the most valuable player award, I asked you to come up with your top five for this award so far. MVP ballot because one day we're gonna have votes. Like I'm mm-hmm. putting that in existence right now. One day we're gonna have thank you, brother, <laughs> for this award where it's really gonna mean you know, something for real, for real, when we put our, our ballots down. So who do you have as your number five on your MVP ballot? Number five, I got Jason Tatum. Um, I've already said what I said about the Celtics being number one in the East and being that team, I think, that you'll have to be later on down the line in order to go to the you know NBA championship. Of course, uh, Jason Tatum being the best player on that team for one, but you know his numbers may be down, but it's it's just like the Celtics coasting right now. Um, and they got a squad, so I mean he's doing what he's supposed to. But again, we do reward winning, uh, so why not reward the team that got the best record in the league? So, uh, Jason Tatum is my number five. Yeah, I'm right there with you on Jason Tatum. Um, the thing is, this year he's not putting up the same numbers he put up last year. Last year he was mm-hmm. averaging 30 points a game. This year he's down to like 26, 27. Mm-hmm. But I like what he's doing when you watch the games. Mm-hmm. When you watch the games, the way that he's moving the offense, the way that on defense he's taking on the hardest assignment in clutch time. So I watched the game when they played against OKC a few weeks back, and he's guarding SGA down the stretch. That's what I like to see. I like to see the best player who has the defensive ability. Now, some of the best players don't have that. Like Luka Doncic, for example, you can't ask him to bar, to guard the hardest guy on offense because now you're just asking for you to get whooped on if you ask if you're for him to do that. But if you have the ability to do it, like a Jason Tatum does, like a LeBron in his prime, like a Kawhi Leonard, those guys had to take on that best assignment. And sometimes you lose a little respect if they don't do that, right? If you are the best player on your team and the other guy on the other squad is balling and you have the ability to guard him, but you don't do it and you shy of that moment. Come on, bro. As a hooper, that's what you're supposed to do. Even me at this time, like I still like to try to take on that best assignment when I'm guarding, when I'm playing that 25 hour fitness, I want to guard the best guy because I'm a decent defender. I still try to take on that assignment. Now I don't move as fast as I used to. I'm getting, you know, just turned 34 yesterday. So I might not be able to do that no more, but I still, I still like to take on that best assignment of trying to guard the best guy. And I like to see that in my NBA players as well. So we no, agree I like that. I like that. I, and I agree. I agree, especially when you call yourself trying to be the best player in the league. Like, you got to yeah. be able to do that. I exactly. Agree. Exactly. So who do you have at number four? Uh, Let me see. And you with me with Tatum, right? You said with number five? Yeah. Uh, Number four, I got uh the GOAT himself, Mr. Kevin uh Durant. Uh, yeah, he's the goat. Yeah, I don't, yeah, comment me with anything. Anybody listening, my damn DMs are wide open. And will you get a response? No, because I don't have to respond to foolishness and I don't align myself for losers this year. 
Uh, Kevin Durant at the beginning of this year, uh, the, for the first month, month and a half, he was averaging literally a 50, 50, 90. Ladies and gentlemen, that's 50% from the field, 50% from the three and 90% from the free throw. And you talk about, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, 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 and book and some of the, whoever you may think is the best shooter in, in the world. They've never shot 50% from three. I don't think at any time of their career for a dead amount of time. So, we're talking still beginning of the season. Uh, the Suns are still top five throughout all the injuries with, you know, Bradley Bill and whoever else we can think of. Kevin Durant it has been a staple when you think of the word consistency. I um, mean, he's doing it at 35 years old. I mean, if that ain't gold material, Kevin Durant, I don't know what it is. So you you up there, my guy. You, you got people like me who ain't nobody else can tell us otherwise while we rocking with you. Kevin Durant, top four. Okay, we'll get into the GOAT discussion a different day because I don't want to spend Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, let's, we, we can I won't do take that. up too much that. of your time. We can do but, that. Now, he's, he's not the GOAT, but still, um, I say that jokingly, but yeah. as far as scoring the basketball, you can't find me anybody better than a seven-foot shooting guard that Kevin Durant is. So oh, I, sure. I, I, I'm on that. Like I'm on that. But as far as the GOAT, now nah, I ain't got to be the GOAT. But as far as scoring, yeah, you can't you can't tell me anybody, anybody, anybody better. Yeah, and I'm with you there. Like, as far as being able to see him in person and seeing somebody that tall who can handle the ball like that, who can shoot from anywhere on the floor, three, you mentioned starting the year 50-50-90 with the injuries that the Suns were dealing with. Bradley Bill, you know, having the back issues that Dan sprained his ankle as soon as he got back from the back issues. Mm -hmm. Devin Booker had all types of leg issues to start the year. And Kevin Durant really held it down. And now you're seeing this team take off. They're, I believe, winners of six in a row now and eight of their last ten. So when you see them starting to Seven in a row, they rolling. Yeah, they rolling right now. They're back to the fifth seed in the Western Conference. And imagine Suns Clippers first round. Ooh. Ooh, no, I'm on it. I'm on it. I don't want it. Lose. Go against the Nuggets or something. Go against the Timberwolves or something. I don't want it. That, that, God, you just said that. Oh, you just said that. That's the matchup. But right now, the season ended right now. Oh, you just said that. First round, like that, that would go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be one that would be really really hard to pick, right yeah. there. But uh, I don't have KD in my top five yet. But the way they're playing, he can definitely mm -hmm. enter into the top five just because of the way they kind of started the year kind of slow. But he's balling out, man. Like you mentioned, I love how he stepped up to the plate and made sure that this team stayed above water while they waited for Devin Booker and Bradley Bill to come back. And now that everybody's healthy, pretty much everybody's healthy, you're seeing this team roll in this type of way where offensively it's just nasty what they've been able to do and even better defensively. Uh, Frank Vogel's kind of style of defense is starting to take over as well. Even though they don't have that personnel that kind of goes with his style, they're still playing better defensively. So you have to give KD all the credit in the world. Now, Devin Booker's been balling out lately, balling out. Do you think Devin Booker can take away some of those votes from KD maybe later in the year and Devin Booker could be that guy in the top five? Nah, man. <laughs> nah, what what can what what book is talking about? I'm the I'm the point guard. He just scored. Nah, dog. You a killer. You are a killer. Respectfully, uh, but nah, man. Uh, I'm still rolling with KD, even though book book, book is book book yeah, is book. I'm not killing. gonna book is book. Yeah, nah. like, that was last Friday. Killed my Pelicans, fifty two points against my Pelicans, who have been playing great lately, and we couldn't do nothing with them. I think he scored 40, I want to say 46 last night, like something crazy like that. Like he's been absolutely killing. 
And they have two guys. It kind of almost reminds you of Steph and KD. I'm not saying book is Steph. Don't go crazy, people. I'm not saying that. But you know, it reminds you of that same type of dynamic where you have two mm -hmm. guys who can score in that same type of way. And then you add a Bradley Bill who can also go crazy and when you need him to. So it's it's scary what they're doing, man. I definitely can see KD being in my top five once the season ends. But right now at number four, I have Shea, Gilgis, Alexander. Mm. Just absolutely balling out right now for OKC. 31 points a game, five rebounds, six assists, leading the league in steals as well. And also, he's not just a guy who plays the passing lanes. Like, he's a good defender on the ball. Like, he's somebody who – he's another guy who, if your opposing point guard is balling, he wants that assignment, and I love that. Uh, shooting 54% from the field. And I love his, his style of play. Like, he's just so smart in how he plays and how he – He'll get to a spot, pump fake. Next thing you know, you follow him. He going to the free throw line with an and one. Like, he just knows how to play the game. And he's, like, definitely not unathletic, but he's not the most athletic. Like, he's not crazy athletic. You know, he's not a, you know, a De'Aaron Fox where he's just a blur or anything like that. But he just knows exactly what to do and when to do it. And knows how to get his teammates involved. And also, from a leadership perspective, I think it's been underrated this year. Because you think about what the team has gone through with the whole Josh Giddy situation. Now, of course, I'm pretty sure it sucks mostly for Josh Giddy, but for the team as well, dealing with what he had to deal with being on the team, continuing to play through the allegations. I'm pretty sure SGA and other people on that team had to keep that team together and had to really make sure that like they don't lose focus on the main goal. Like, yo, we got a really good team here. We can't let this distract us from what we're doing. And I think you have to give SGA credit and also the coaches as well credit for holding this team together through all that stuff. Because I can't imagine being his teammate and thinking, you know, I'm not going to say if he's guilty or not, but just thinking like what could have happened or did he do this? Is this the guy sitting next to me? Is he this or he that? And to not let that break your team down, I think you have to give SGA a lot of credit for that. I definitely couldn't agree more, bro. Um, I definitely couldn't agree more. And, of course, uh, that'll be my number three. Um, I don't have to be the dead horse with everything that you're saying. But I think what we talk about, you know, just to bring J.R. Smith back up again, uh, if J.R. Smith would have had somebody like a Chris Paul early in his career, um, granted, I mean, I guess he did in a way, but he wasn't the Chris Paul, the OG Chris Paul that we know now. He was still young. He was still young. Uh, Still, right, right, right. They draft about the same time. Damn near the same draft, I, I believe. Um, so one, I mean, one year after Chris Paul, one year, yeah, bet, one year, bet, 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 and you know, just Chris Paul being able to be with him in that one year with OKC, I think did wonders for him just just mentally, you know, because Shea came into it with a dog, you know, even with the Clippers and they traded him so early. Um, it's not like they gave up on him. It's that, hey, we can get Paul George, who, you know, still is doing his thing with the Clippers now. Uh, but Shea got his own team and we're seeing a, a superstar right a superstar right in front of our eyes. So um credit to Chris Paul for just giving him that knowledge, that mentality to to be that dog and you know, capability to lead a team. And again, we're seeing him, you know, take up on that challenge not only on offense, but to be the best def defensive point guard in the league. Um Shout out to Shay. They keep yeah. it going, young fella. We need to see it in the playoffs for sure. I get everything said on, on online as far as playoff time. I definitely want to see it because I got high hopes for you. But um, again, Shay doing his thing for sure. Oh, for sure, man. Now I do have to give a disclaimer out. Before I made when I made this list, this is before all the drama went down in Milwaukee. 
All right. <laughs> but but my number three, I have Giannis Anton and Kupo. Still wow. <laughs> Say what? Wow. <laughs> like, I understand that Giannis aesthetically is not pleasing to watch at times, right? I get that. And I get that you believe he's the lamest dude in the world. I get that. Not the world. <laughs> but Giannis, he's still like so dominant, bro. 31 points a game, 11 rebounds, six assists, shooting 60% from the floor. And defensively, it's still very good. I know the team defensively hasn't been good, but he still has his moments defensively. So you still have to give him credit for that. And the team is still the second seed in the Eastern Conference. And he's the best player on that team. So you have to give him credit for that. So I have to have Giannis at number three because of that. Nah. Sure. <laughs> nah. Yeah. Like I said, I'm coming. I understand people are going to start coming your way on it. Like I said earlier, when people start coming fully your way on okay. the Giannis thing, I, I'm definitely going to make sure people know like who was the first originator on the block when it comes to that. <laughs> who do you have at number two? Uh, number two, I got Jokic, man. Uh, 26 points a game, 12 rebounds, nine assists, which could easily be 10 by the end of the season. Uh, still top three team in the Western Conference. Ain't missed a step at all. Um, I mean, just a staple of consistency, greatness. Um, I'm done betting against Jokic uh, until he proved me otherwise. I think he becoming like the Mahomes at the NBA in a way, um, as far as like consistency and just greatness go. Um, so, just Jokic, shout out to Jokic. You don't look like he he care. Um, I think a better comparison would probably be Tim Duncan in a way. Just as far as like being great at what you do and you know, knowing your spots and knowing where your teammates are and uplifting your teammates. Um, I think you can you I think by the end of the day we'll be able to put both of them in the same sentence as far as, as greatness goes. Uh but shout out to Jokic. Yeah, I'm right there with your guy on Jokic at number two as well. All the things you mentioned, the fact that it seems like they're cruising. Like it seems like they really haven't turned it they on. They chilling, yet. bro. Yeah, they chilling. They chilling. They chilling and in a three spot. Like that's wild. I have game out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna be scary. The fact that like they can move up to a different level, and the playoffs aren't here yet. We'll probably see it come March. We'll probably see them kind of turn it up come March, late March, April. Really, what does that up. even mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's the thing. Like, they can do that. That's the thing. They're chilling right now, but you know he can go up to 30 points a game. We've seen him in the playoffs go up, you know, even more assists, even more rebounds, shoot more threes. That's one thing that he definitely can do. So him, Jamal Murray, we know he can turn up come playoff time. Uh, Aaron Gordon, somebody else who could turn up. He stay away from them dogs. He could turn up come playoff time. <laughs> so we definitely know, like, they have a lot of pieces as, as a team they can turn that notch up a different level. And it's crazy. They're cruising to the three seed in the Western Conference right now. It's nuts. So I'm assuming we have the same person at number one. No, nah, easy. 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 70 points as a center. Yeah. Easy, bro. He'd be the most dominant player uh, for all season long. I mean, where are you at? Number one in, in the league. 35 points a game as a center. Nah. <laughs> I can't say nothing else, man. I just, I just hope he, that he's able to maintain his greatness uh, in in playoff time. Uh, but what I'm seeing from him is nothing more than an MVP. And then you talk about James Harden leaving. Um, he was like, okay, I can actually play make a little bit more. He's averaging a career high with six assists himself. Uh, so I mean, two blocks a game. He's taking care of business defensively as well. So you talking about somebody who could have the title as the best player in the game? I, 
Bill and B is turning it up, uh, turning it up a notch. We just got to see it in the, in the playoff sign for for us to give him that title. But of course, regular season MVP. That's that's his to lose at this point. Yeah. Nah, it's it's crazy what he's doing. Thirty five points a game. I believe it probably went up since he scored seventy. I think it's like thirty six points a game, and averaging at least thirty five points a game has only been done a few times in NBA history. You're talking about Will Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, James Harden, Kobe Bryant. That's it. Crazy company. That's the list. Like that. Like that's that's the list. So when you talk about somebody being able to do that on a consistent basis, night in and night out, and then when you okay, we're gonna play against a bad team. I'm not taking the night off. I'm not gonna chill. I'm gonna drop seventy on you. <laughs> like that's that's what I'm gonna do. Like I'm going to make sure that you feel. You feel what I'm coming from each and every night. Like you have to give James, I was gonna say James Hart. You have to give Joel and B all the credit in the world for what he's doing this year. You mentioned the 35, 36 points a game, 11 rebounds, six assists, 53% from the floor, 36% from three. And what he's doing with the mid-range jumper, the fact like Nick Nurse is giving him the ball right in the middle mm-hmm. and he's jab stepping you. It's like he's he's almost like a, a supersized Carmelo. He's giving you the jab step, the pump. <laughs> you, then boom, you just sitting there shitting that shot in your face. For him to be that size, doing that to people is absolutely crazy. Even when they played against the Nuggets, they put Aaron Gordon on. Aaron Gordon is a great defensive player. No chance. Had no chance of trying to stop him, slow him down. Victor Wimbyama, seven foot four. No chance at trying to stop him. <laughs> Nothing's bothering him right now. He's in the I think that's home. I think that's one of the worst welcome to the league, young fella moments. Oh, for like, sure. We're going to look back in history and like, damn, like your first game against MB, he dropped 70 on you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. When years from now, when he's on, when he's a guest on uh, Knuckleheads and they ask you, who was the first person to bust your ass? We all going to know the answer. Oh, we all know that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, that time Joel and B dropped 70 on me. <laughs> it was the first time somebody bust my ass in the league. So yeah, now nah, that that's crazy. That is absolutely nuts. Uh, but Victor Wimbyama is going to be a future All Star one day, just oh, not yeah. this, just not this year. So let's get into mm. our All Stars, and let's start with the Western Conference, and let's start with the starters. Who do you have as your two guards in the Western Conference starting lineup? My two guards would be Luca, and yes, the fans got it right, and they will continue to get it right because they're amazing. Uh, Steph Curry. Uh, there ain't no way in hell that an all-star game is being played where Steph Curry, regardless of what, what the Warriors are looking like, ain't no way in hell he's not going to start in, in an all-star game. So uh, give me Luka and give me Steph. I feel you on the respect for Steph. Definitely got to respect what he's doing and what he's done. And I get that. The fan, I think it's going to be actually be announced. So we're recording this on Thursday, and it's uh, almost, almost 4.30 here. In Arizona Standard Time, I think they're going to announce the starters tonight on TNT. Tonight, okay. Yeah, I need to. Yeah, but so as you hear this, we haven't heard it yet. So we on point. Let us know if we not. You know, it's going to happen. But I have Luca and SGA as my starters. Mm. Um, like I feel like with the, what SGA has done, especially with affecting winning this year, mm-hmm. can't really put Steph over him. But I wouldn't be shocked if Steph gets it because of the fan vote. But SGA, I feel like, should be a starter, and Luka should be a starter. But let's talk about Luka real quick. So Luka this year is balling. 33 points a game, 9 assists, 8 rebounds, efficient, killing it. So last night, they're playing against the Suns, and there's a Suns fan at the game. Reportedly, 
this is reportedly, Luca got the, the fan kicked out. We saw that part where he pointed to the ref and pointed to the fan, like, get him out of here. So that part is true. But the reported part is, or the alleged part is, what made him mad was that the fan said, you tired, Luca? Get your fat ass on the treadmill. <laughs> that's, the, yeah. <laughs> that's the alleged part. That's what is being reported that the fans said. Now, I've been at NBA games. You've been at NBA games. There's a lot worse that could be said right. than I've heard said at basketball games, right? And that's, honestly, like, that's that's fair game. Like, if you out of shape, like, if it was I. It's a soft spot for people. Like basketball players got feelings too. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a soft spot for certain people. Like we can't just go around calling Zion fat, bro. Like he got feelings too, and he in New Orleans, and y'all got good food out there. So <laughs> I mean, like, come on, like we gotta watch our words just a little bit, please. I I agree with you. Like you definitely want to treat people the way you want to be treated, the way they say in elementary school, right? Exactly. <laughs> I feel you on that, but but. <laughs> Fans are going to boo. They're going to heckle. They're going to do these things. Now, of course, you never want to get to the point where it's disrespectful to that person as a human being, right? Now, right. If, you're saying, if you're saying boo, you think you can't shoot, fall fair game. And I feel like if you tell somebody to get on the treadmill, that's still part of basketball itself. Now, once you get outside of the realm of basketball, you you know, there have been times where we it's been reported that fans have said something about a player's family, stuff like that. Of course, that's way too far, mm -hmm. and that person should be kicked out. But if a player insults you as a player, I feel like you got to take that. I feel like you got to take that if it's on if it's in the realm of basketball, and you can't get the guy kicked out. Am I am I wrong for saying that? I mean, in this day and age, it's 2024. You can't be calling people fat asses in public. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> this is true. I mean, you asking somebody who really could get this whole thing funny to be like, I could care less. Like, get your fat ass on the gym. Look now. Nah. I mean, because you got to think like he fat, but shit, just like Jokic, he get your ass thirty just like that. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, but Luca got to be more. He, 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 oh, I'm a fat ass. <laughs> I'm sure you probably. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm more in shape with you, man. Just no, nah, say don't take it to hard, Luca, man. You still a cold blooded killer, man. Stop, don't, don't. Don't take it to heart. And then after the game, so I guess the reporter who reported that that's what, what was said and, you know, reported that Luca got the fan kicked out was in the press conference afterwards, right? And I've never been in this situation, so I don't know how I would handle it. I've never been personally called out by a player. Only mm. time I've been anything close to this situation, it was the WNBA where uh, I, my first year coming to Mercury, and the Mercury had just eliminated Dallas from the playoffs. And Skylar mm. Diggins was playing for Dallas at the time. And that year, Dallas had a weird season. Their coach got fired midway through the year. So I remember asking, I was like, how did that affect you guys throughout the season, losing your coach? Do you think that had an impact on how you guys played? I thought it was a decent question. Was it a question? She did not. She did not think it was a good question. <laughs> and she was like, man, this, this guy, who's this guy up here killing me with these questions? Like, and I was like, oh, and remember, that's my first year covering a professional team. I was like, oh, this is how the pros? Oh, this is crazy. So, but I've never been like personally called out. So Luca personally called out his reporter and said that the reporter always says bad stuff about him. Mm. And the reporter, my first time seeing a reporter kind of snap back like this, the reporter was like, yo, first of all, 99% of stuff I write is good about you. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he snapped back at him. So, and I understand when it comes to 
And the reporter probably does write mostly good stuff about Luca because Luca's an awesome player. So it's not too much bad you can write about him. Like you have to write mm -hmm. good stuff. So, and also another thing that's probably the problem is all Luca sees is a negative. So if the reporter has written 99 positive articles, he's going to see the one negative one. Mm. And that's that's probably what the issue is. So when it comes to that interaction, do you think do you think players should call out reporters if they feel like the reporter is wrong? And if the reporter himself feels like the player is wrong, do you feel like the reporter has the right to snap back in that way? I feel like it is only happening with foreign players, bro. Like all these foreign sensitive ass players y'all bringing over here, they ain't nothing but making a sensitive product in the NBA. You talk about, you know, just sensitive on the court, like they just as sensitive off the court. Uh, but I mean, if you are, it, I mean, it, it's anything in life. Like if I were to call you out just in anything, I better have a reason for why you call, I call you out. You know what I'm saying? If you call me out, vice versa, be ready for the response and just be ready. But nine times out of 10, you know, there is somebody that's right in a situation and just hope that if it, it, it is you, because like you said, nine times out of 10, like who, we ain't got nothing to say, bad to say about Luca. But, you know, if you're Luca and you're searching for, you know, just being perfect, I mean, that's an ego thing in itself. Uh, so, I mean, so, I mean, y'all got a job to do. They got a job to do. Um, but if somebody were to call somebody out to confront somebody, just be ready for the response of being either right or wrong. I mean, that's 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 life. Yeah. Nah, that's that's real right there. Because, like you said, Luca might have felt some type of way, like, oh, I'm going to call him out. But then the reporter's mm -hmm. like, yo, this is what <laughs> was said. Like the fans heard the comment that was said. Like the other fans kind of corroborated the story of that's what he said that when he got kicked out. Now I don't know. The fan probably was going at him the whole game, mm -hmm. and maybe it was a, a cumulative thing where he's like, "Oh, I'm just tired of hearing this dude." But again, you're gonna have fans who want to heckle. Now I'm not that fan. Like if I go to a game as a fan, I'm just cheering and booing. That's what I'm doing. I'm not gonna be saying nothing. Like I'm not the guy who wants to personally like go at a player. Like that's that's weird to me. Like I'm just gonna cheer, boo. And like anything, if I was saying something to a player, it's something positive. Like I like I've gone to like I was at the Pelicans and Suns playoff game a couple of years ago, and Jackson Hayes came out of nowhere and kind of and snatched the snatch got a snatch block off the backboard. And I remember yelling, "Yo, that's how you go, Jack. Let's go!" Like that's like it's gonna be me saying that type of stuff, but not like going at a player and saying I'm gonna I'm gonna have a list of insults. <laughs> to say to this player like that's wild <laughs> like that's a wild, that's a wild thing to do to pay because he was in good seats too like he played he paid some good money for them seats so to pay that much money and be like oh i'm had this list of insults to say to the players wild. I mean, that's entitlement bro like you pay that money you you expect to be able to say and get away with certain things i guess at this point uh but if you're drunk and just calling luca a fat ass for two hours and you got people around you got kids around you asking their parents what a yeah. fat ass is like you can't be doing that that's true. Like, that's a really good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Like there are kids right there as well. So you should conduct yourself. Like I said, if you want to talk a little trash, keep it PG, mm -hmm. you know, and there's been times where people have talked trash and it's been clever. It's been funny, uh, but keep it in that realm and not get personal. So I, I agree with you on that one. But Luca, you can't be a sensitive either. Like you come on, bro. And <laughs> unless they go out of bounds to the point where they're talking about you personally or your family, something like that, that's where you can go ahead and get them kicked out. But outside of that, they're talking about you as a basketball player. Prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. Right. You have 
you have famous moments where like Dwayne Wade, there's a famous moment with Dwayne Wade and the guy at the Charlotte's Harness game that was heckling him and him hitting the game when he shot and looking at him like, you got something to say now? Like, exactly. do that. Exactly. <laughs> like, do that. Like, don't don't have him kicked out unless, like I said, unless they're going way too far with it. But I just had, I had to ask you about that because I found it that the whole situation just very interesting uh, with Luca, the fan and the reporter. No, no, right. So now let's get to the front court of the Western Conference. Who are your front court players for the starting lineup? Um, I got Bron because it's Bron. Um, Jokic, everything I said about him, greatness, triple double. Um, and of course Kevin Durant. I mean, everything I said about him, I mean the super Sodom's there, the numbers are there. Why not? Yeah, I have the same three LeBron, KD, Jokic. Um, the only person I feel like you can make an argument for is Kawhi because of how the Clippers okay. are playing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know who you would take out of those three guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe LeBron, but you can't take LeBron yeah. out of the starting lineup. Like it's, I ain't <laughs> taking Kevin Durant out. So uh... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's LeBron James. Like you can't take him out. So it's it's tough. So, but if you have Kawhi in your starting lineup, I wouldn't get mad at that. Um, right. Like those three are locked in right there. So now let's get to the Eastern Conference. Who are your two guards you have starting East? Um, I got Tyrese Maxey and I got uh, Donovan Mitchell. Um, Donovan Mitchell, Spidey Mitchell, I'm a huge fan of his, been a fan, a fan of his since he was with the Jazz. Um, he's been holding it down for the Cavaliers, who are top four in the East right now. And it's after, you know, Darius Garland, who's a point guard, out for a significant time. You know, uh, 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 what's my guy, the power forward, uh, da, 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 Evan Mobley. He's been out for a significant time. Drafted him, one of my top picks in fantasy. And now he's been out, and they talking about, oh, he ain't going to come out no time soon. Damn. But at the same time, the Cavs have been playing some amazing basketball. Um, his assists are going up as well. Um, so we talk about a guard who's like, hey, give me the ball, get out the way. Um, that's definitely Donovan Mitchell. Like I said, they got the Cavs playing uh, good basketball right now. So him and everything we just said about Max, he ain't got to beat a dead horse. Yeah, no, those, like, bro. The Cavaliers have turned it around in such a crazy way because they were really struggling to start the year. And the fact that they've gone on this run with all the entries that you mentioned really show you how important Donovan Mitchell is. Now, I don't have Donovan Mitchell starting, but I definitely can't be mad at that. I like, think I said the wrong Tyrese. <laughs> oh, yeah, you said Maxi. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, I said the wrong Tyrese. <laughs> definitely said the wrong Tyrese. But go, go ahead, bro. I'm pretty sure we both in agreement to the real Tyrese who should be starting. My bad, everybody. Wrong Tyrese. <laughs> We're all sorry, but all Tyrese in the starting out of my apologies. Yeah, no, we both agree on Tyrese Halliburton. Come on, 26 points a game yeah. in Indiana. Yeah, <laughs> not bad, John. <laughs> Five rebounds, barely turning the ball over. Like, he's had games with 20 assists and no turnovers. Like, that's hard to do in 2K, like on your my career. And I'm talking about in the rec, I'm talking about in your my career games. It's hard to do that. So, to, to, to do that in real life, 20 assists. No turnovers is absolutely crazy. Uh, you gotta love what he's doing from an efficiency standpoint. He's flirting with 50, 40, 90 as well. I think he's at 50, 40, 85 right now. So he he still has a chance to get there. He has to get those free throws up, but he has mm-hmm. a chance to get 50, 40, 90, even with that funky shot that he has. He has a chance to get 50, 40, 90. So Tyrese Halliburton, unanimous, yes. should be starting. Yes. Uh, my second starter, I don't have D Mitchell, but I ain't gonna lie to you, you're making it real tough the way they're playing right now and all the things you described. Is making it real tough for me to go with Jalen Brunson, but I'm gonna stay with Jalen Brunson for right now. Okay, as, as my second starter, you know, he's giving you 26 points a game, six assists, four rebounds, 46 percent from the field, 43 percent from three this year. So his improvement 
as an overall scorer and three-point shooter is crazy. He's another one of those guys who's just super crafty, super crafty. And even though he's a smaller guard, it's nice in the post. Like He'll get mm -hmm. in the post and, and go to work. So mm -hmm. I love his game. I love players who are well-rounded in that way. I love watching Taylor Brunson. But if you have Donovan Mitchell starting, I'm not mad at it, especially with the way they're playing lately. So I'm not mad at that at all. Who do you have as your three forwards or your three front court players? Three front court. Uh, unfortunately, Giannis. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joel Embiid and, of course, Jason Tatum. I'm pretty, pretty easy. Yeah, now I'm right there with you. Jason Tatum, Giannis, Joel Embiid. Can't really go outside those three guys from the front court. So now let's get to the reserves. This is where it gets really, really interesting because there's only 12 spots on the team. Mm -hmm. And I had a real tough time with the Western Conference. I think you said you had a real tough time with the Eastern Conference. Yeah. But this Western Conference really gave me some issues, so I need your guidance on this as well. Uh, who do you have as your first two guys coming off the bench? And you said the West, right? Yeah. Uh, we're going to go with uh, Shea Alexander and Devin Booker. Uh, everything we've said about Shay uh, applies. Of course, one day he, uh, I don't know, can he be a starter? I mean, I guess we'll figure out if he is a starter this year. But at the same time, you got to wait your turn, young fella. Uh, Luca been doing his thing. Steph Curry in an outside game, not starting. Kind of sounds like Michael Jordan going to the outside game and not starting. As far as like, you know, superstardom and public numbers and just love ability, all, all of the above uh, is why I got Shay on the bench, literally. Uh, but of course, MVP candidate can't take none away from him. And of course, the killer that Devin Booker is. I mean, what more do I got to say about Book? Yeah. No, I'm right there with you on those two. So my first two are Anthony Edwards and Devin Booker. Anthony Edwards this year, 26 points a game, five assists, five rebounds, shooting 45% from the floor, 38% from three, 84% from the free throw line. And I feel like you agree with me here. I think we have the same thing where we feel like he could take another step forward offensively. Absolutely. Um, but what he's doing this year is definitely right there when it comes to, you know, being an all-star. And he's somebody who's going to be in that all-star starter conversation going forward. Like, I can mm -hmm. see that even as early as next year, him being an all-star starter. Like, he's that good of a player. And like you mentioned with Devin Booker, absolutely killing it. And lately, he's just been annihilating people lately. So, I love what Devin Booker's doing. Uh, who do you have as your next two? Uh, my next two will be the Anthony's. Uh, Anthony Edwards, for everything you just said, um, I think that he could be having, a, I don't know if it's, like I said, a coaching thing or just a play style thing or, you know, Lano's whatever. Uh, but I think he can be averaging more than the 26 points that he's averaging a, a game. Granted, of course, it's a, it's a step up from last year, but you're talking about somebody who ha I had actually winning the MVP this year, which, of course, he still could do. Um, but I don't think based on the numbers that he'll get there. Like I said, we can't give an MVP to somebody just averaging 26 when you got Jokic doing the same thing with a triple-double. You got Shea averaging 30, everybody else averaging 30 himself. But um, as far as the All-Star game go, <laughs> Anthony definitely could very well be a starter definitely one day very, very soon. But right now, I got him coming off the bench. And Anthony, uh, Anthony, he's actually playing Davis. Uh, so we're going to call him right now. <laughs> like, he, he actually playing. Actually doing his thing defensively. Talk about a player who can be an, uh, a candidate for defensive player of the year as well. Um, but Anthony Davis, like I said, he's playing. He's consistent for the most part. Um, but just, uh, again, being available. And because he's available, because we know the greatness that Anthony Davis has in him, um, he'll be an all-star. Yeah, I'm right there with you on Anthony Davis. 
uh, as my my other person I have in my second two uh, is Steph Curry. Like you gotta have him in the All Star game, and I don't have him as a starter, but that's no disrespect to him. That's just SGA. I feel like is you know doing more this year for a winning squad. So Anthony Davis and Steph Curry are my second two. Um, who do you have as your third two? My third two, I got uh, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, we talked about Kawhi Leonard already, who, you know, could be a starter for sure, the way the Clippers are playing. Uh, just consistent. And we can also say, hey, Kawhi, he's also playing Leonard. You know what I'm saying? Like, all these players, hey, hey, <laughs> Adam Silver, y'all asses, and we appreciate it, man. We need this. Y'all talk about y'all want to be MVP, but now it's time to show it. Uh, but to be an all-star, you got to play. Uh, you got to be available. Your team got to be winning. And, of course, I've said everything about the Clippers uh, just being as selfless team they are, but when it's time to get down to business, Kawhi is, you know, the Terminator. Uh, he 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 gets it done. So of course I got him, and of course I got uh, who may may not be the fastest player in the league right now, De'Aaron Fox. Uh, we talk about a player who you know looked at the John Morant of the world, the Lonzo Balls of the world, uh, and saying, "Hey, these guys have been all stars. I can be one too." And that's when you know last year we see him take a, the the Kings to the next step. And, you know, the Kings right now, even though they're kind of taking a step back, they still top seven. Uh, and it's credit to, of course, Sabonis, and it's, of course, to credit to De uh, Darren Fox. But if you're asking for an all-star, Darren Fox doing what he's doing. I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, give me Darren Fox. Yeah, now, Darren Fox is an absolute monster. He's in my um, third two as well. And Kawhi Leonard. So I have those same guys. Uh, Darren Fox, man, 30 points a game, six assists, shooting 48% from the floor, 40% from three, and is, again, going to be a contender for the Clutch Player of the Year Award. Not a big fan of the award. I even have that in my my, my list here. <laughs> like, <laughs> But, yeah, he, he could win that again uh, this year. What he, what he does in the fourth quarter, he's an absolute monster, man. And he's the fastest person I've seen, the fastest player I've seen in person. Like, mm -hmm. in the end, when he decides to turn it on, absolutely crazy. Like, he... He's different, man. I saw and I've seen, you know, other fast players. Like I saw Chris Paul in his prime, like in New Orleans, like in people forget how athletic Chris Paul was yeah. back then. But he was it was crazy seeing Chris Paul. But Darren Fox is crazy. Yes. Like who's the fastest player you've seen in person? Fastest in person. Um, I didn't see him in person, but just on the court because I was a big Texas fan, a University of Texas fan, uh, TJ Ford. And he came into the league. And I think at one point he literally was the fastest player in the league. Uh, but when you talk about somebody from Mississippi, you know, the missiles from Mississippi, Monte Ellis, yeah. they're both fast as hell. Like, they, he fast. He, he, <laughs> he fast, we would not look like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if I had a pick, probably, probably one of those two, man. Just fast as hell, just for no reason, you know? Yeah, now nah, Monte Ellis was dumb fast. They said, like, I remember when they first came out with his shoes, the whole commercial was him talking about how fast he is. <laughs> he, was like, he, was like, he was like, yeah, man, I, you know, I ran a full one in the dirt one time. You know, that's and that's real Mississippi right there. When somebody say something mm -hmm. like that, yeah, I ran a full one in the dirt. Like, I don't need no shoes out there. I just run a full one. Like, yeah, right. was, yeah, he was crazy fast. He's somebody who, uh, you talk about J.R. Smith and other people who, you know, if you did a career over, how would it go? Monty Ellis is in that conversation as well. Like, if you did his career over, he got in better situations how would his career go? Because he was ultra talented, man. Ultra Absolutely. Talented, so good. And you feel like he's another one in that conversation. He, I don't think he made all-star team. So he's another one in that conversation, like best players to not make an all-star game. Like he was a he was an absolute monster, man. But now we gotta get to this last spot. So there's one spot left. Here are just a few of the people who could go in that spot. 
You got Paul George, Brandon Ingram, uh, Alfin Singun, who's mm -hmm. playing very well for the Rockets this year. Uh, you got Demonis Sabonis, who always puts up great stats. You got my guy, Brandon Ingram. You got maybe Zion. Like, there's a lot of lot of players up for that last spot. Who you have in that last spot? Uh, it's unfortunate, man, because out of Memphis, we consider the Pelicans. We call them the uh, the poverty the poverty franchise that is the New Orleans Pelicans. Shout out to Sane. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Anthony Sane out there in Memphis. But now, nah, um, I do got to give you your, your guy, Brandon Ingram, uh, some love, man. Just the staple of being consistent. Um, just was it 21 a game, five, five assists? Five rebounds. I mean, he can do it all. What he's looking like, he's taking the challenge of being, a, you know, a better defender as well. And for a Pelicans team where people, I think I can say count it out. I think you probably agree with me, um, especially with just hearing, you know, the, the reports of Zion not being able to play, and he's actually having a good season. Um, you talk about consistency with with JV and CJ averaging twenty a game. Like y'all, what y'all got going on in New Orleans is the league may want to. Keep a, just a small. I ain't gonna give y'all too much credit, but just keep like, a, eh, what they doing over there? Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know they are one of you know one of the top seeds in the Western Conference right now. So if I think they are deserve uh the worthy of one All Star lease, um, and if I had to pick one, it'd be Brandon Ingram. I appreciate that, man, because I no longer have to be a homer. Because I definitely have been you know NBA dot com spamming Brandon Ingram to get an All Star game. <laughs> so we'll we'll see if my efforts work. In that way, uh, Zion's been really good this year, and he's really playing well lately. Seems like he's really getting close to being 100% Zion with some of the highlights we're seeing, him catching dunks, hitting his head on the backboard. Like, we're starting to see Zion be Zion. But beginning of the year, through this period, Brandon Ingram's really held it down and been very consistent this year. So I like that pick. But I do want to reward the team that has the best record in the Western Conference. And they're not there without Rodrigo Bear. As much as we want to make fun of Rudy Gobert, we had our fun with him earlier making fun of him. I feel like you have to give him some credit and give him an all-star spot because defense player of the year, front runner right now, better offensively this year, like not making the same dumb decisions, not out there trying to Euro step like he like he Joel and B for some reason. I, I, I used to hate so much when he used to do that. Like, what are you doing, Rudy? Like, play your role, bro. So this year he's staying within himself offensively while also being a dominant force on defense. So I'm going to give that last spot to Rudy Gobert, but my heart is rooting for Brandon Ingram to get that last spot. So now let's get to the Eastern Conference. This is the conference you said that you struggled with. Who yeah, are your man. first two off the bench? Uh, so my first two off the bench, uh, again, I started with Tyree Saliburton. Shout out to everything he's doing. Um, Indiana, they're doing historic things out there. Like, how you number one in offense and field goal percentage? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, for, so my bench, of, it would be Tyrese Maxey. Again, Tyrese Maxey on my bench. And everything you said about uh, one of my favorite players in the league, Jalen Brunson, just complete dog. Um, Shaq, you wrong as hell for calling him the next Allen Iverson. I ain't seen nobody do this since Allen Iverson. Uh, we got a young fella in, in Memphis that's that's yeah. doing the damn thing. He just out for the rest of the season. So yeah, we can't uh, not to take crazy with the Allen Iverson comparisons. Like yeah, you he, he shot that off the wall, Shaq. I mean, but <laughs> I, in a way, I kind of get what you're saying with the small stature and being able to take over the game and you know do everything he's supposed to offensively, whether that's passing, scoring a ball, uh 
Jalen Brunson is, you know, the epitome of all star when you look at his numbers too. And again, Nick's top five in the East, tied with top four. You got to give him credit. Nah, for sure. I'm right there with you on Jalen Brunson. Tyrese Maxey's my first guy off the bench. Um, I do have Damian Lillard as my second guy, even though he's having a quote unquote down year for him. Um, but 25 points a game, seven assists, shooting 43% from the field, 36% from three. And if it really was like a coaching thing, we may see those numbers go up uh, pretty here, you know, soon because of, you know, what's going on there. So who do you have as your second two? Uh, I'm going to go with Dame as well. I don't think you can at this point have an all-star in the game, at least, you know, with a healthy Dame Lillard still putting up 25. I mean, still we talk about the off year with Dame Lillard and still 25 points a game. I mean, yeah. That ain't bad, you know. Your team's still in the East, uh, second in the East. So I mean, let's get it, Damian Lillard, uh, for sure. Uh, and I got to go with Paolo Bencaro. Um, of course, the Magic were a better team early in the season. I the injury bug did bite them, so of course they've taken a few losses, but they still number eight right now. Uh, Paolo, he's taking that you know Team USA mentorship, veteranship that he was able to get from all the players he was able to play with. Um, over the summer, just take that knowledge and that wisdom and that hunger and bring it to the magic. And we're seeing a better him, you know, have a better season this year. Um, and I think he should be rewarded for an all-star. No, I definitely write that with you. I got Jalen Brown. Uh, I think that, you know, Boston should get at least two all-stars this year with the way they've been playing. He's giving you 23 points a game, five rebounds, shooting 48% from the floor, 35% from three, and still being a very good defender as well. So I want to give him a shout out. And I'm with you on Paolo Bencaro balling this year. 21 points a game, almost 22, seven rebounds, almost five assists, uh, 46% from the field, 35% from three. And when you watch Orlando play, they're one of my favorite teams to watch outside of Suns and Pelicans when I have the night just to just, you know, I'm chilling and I'm doing that. And let me see what's on League Pass. Now check out the Magic and love watching him play, man. I love the confidence he's playing with this year. This year, the defense can't dictate what he's going to do. So last year as a rookie, they might be like, okay, we're going to force him to shoot. And he didn't shoot well from three. This year, they're like, oh, okay, we'll step off you. He's like, all right, boom, I'm going to take that. Hit it. Oh, I'm in the mid-range. I could take that. Hit that. Oh, now you step up. I could drive right past you. Oh, you're going to try to be physical with me? I'm strong too. Let me back you down. Like, there's no weakness in his offensive game. And defensively, he's also stepped up. So I really love what I'm seeing from Bear Carroll. Orlando has him a special player. And they have a good team, like you said, when they're healthy. I think the injury to uh, Franz Wagner definitely hurt them a lot, him being out. Uh, but this team is good. They have a six-man-a-year candidate in Cole Anthony. Uh, I like this, the Markel Fultz story, him turning around and becoming – My God. Uh, yeah, like that's a great story for Markel Fultz. Man. And Orlando has a good team, man. They have a good team that's going to be – they're going. They're not probably not going to win a playoff series, but I can see them being like just a, a pain in somebody's side in the first round. Man, you're talking to something. My bad, bro. Go ahead. No, they'll, they'll be a pain in somebody's side in the first round. Like, just, oh, damn, we, we had to go six games with them in the first round. They're going to be that type of team. Like, just, that was six tough games we had to do just now to get past this team. I think they're going to be that type man. of team. Man, you're talking to somebody who, like, understood why Markel Fultz was number one. You know what I'm saying? So, to see his story and, you know, everything that went in Philly to, you know, being in Orlando. And he's coming back from injury himself. But just that whole story and just maintaining, like, Salute to, to salute to Markel Fultz. For sure, man. I, I love seeing that. And it was crazy how quick people were willing to throw him away. Mm -hmm. And for him to battle back and prove himself and get a big contract, like you love to see that. In the mm -hmm. words of 
a two, get that money, black man. Yes, sir. <laughs> so now let's go to the next two. I got uh somebody that's finally averaging 10 boys a game. I've been asking this for the last couple of years. Uh 21 and 10 to be exact. Uh Bam Adebayo. I mean, we gotta talk about the heat, whether they a first seed or A C. We know when it's time to play, they're gonna play. Um, and he's been again consistency. I like to reward consistency. And like I say, he's finally averaging 10 a game. Uh being consistent throughout all the injuries and young players coming in and out of the lineup. He's been doing a damn thing in the middle. So uh give me give me Bam out of bio and give me uh somebody else that's been doing the exact same thing, putting up crazy numbers, uh Julius Randle, uh for the Knicks. Uh you, the same thing I said about Jalen Brunson and his and his effects on the Knicks. You can kind of say the same thing uh with Julius Randle, whether that's scoring, he you know, can be known as a shot jacker. Uh, but at the same time, who else do the Knicks got to score and do their thing offensively? So uh, I think they're uh pretty Really good pair uh, with him and Brunson. Um, I would like for the Knicks to add one more star uh, to help with that trifecta. But Julius Randle is, a, is he's a baller. Um, he's gonna continue to be one, um, and he continue he should continue to be an all star. Okay, yeah, I'm right there with you on that one. So for my next two, Donovan Mitchell, gotta have him in there. He could be a starter easily, so I gotta have him in there. And for my second guy, Bam Adebayo, like you mentioned. A lot of people have been asking for him to get past that 20-point-a-game mark, to be consistently over 20 points a game, 10 rebounds, to be somebody who they can say, okay, we need a bucket. We can go to you to get this bucket. You know, Jimmy Butler's been missing some time this year. Uh, Tyler Hero's been playing well, but Tyler Hero, you don't want to depend on Tyler Hero's offense on a day-out, day-out, day-in, day-out basis. Uh, so I really like what Bam is doing, and you got to give Diamond Mitchell all the credit in the world, all the stuff you said earlier about him. So now that last spot. Got some got some contenders in that last spot. Man, really? I can go with like a I can go with Julius Randle, maybe a Miles Turner, Trey Young. Uh there's a few different people you can put in that last spot. Who do you have in your last spot? And it's funny because it, it was a battle between somebody who you actually have as a starter. And I actually don't have him in an all-star game. And I think it we, we should talk about him in a minute, but it was between Jalen Brown and Trey Young. And when you talk about Trey Young, who, who, you know, Savage, shout out to Savage um, <laughs> on Three the Hardaway Pod, he likes to call him uh, a pass first ball hog. And if you think about Trey Young, it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, this pass first ball hog, he's averaging 27 and 11. If we we're going to give credit to everything that Tyree Taliburn is doing uh, for the Pacers, I mean, we got to give credit to everything he's. I mean, we kind of got to give credit to what they're doing out in in in, in Atlanta. Uh, granted, you know, playing that being the playing right now, and I think the reason why Trey Young wasn't an All Star last year was because you know the Hawks they they suck. They I don't think they weren't even playing in contention at the time of the All Star, and I could be completely wrong. Uh, but again, Trey Young averaging twenty seven and and eleven just started missing time, so I wouldn't hold the injuries to him. Um, but the numbers are there, and again, Hawks center playing, so uh, give me Trey Young. Yeah, Trey Young definitely puts up crazy stats. Like you said, 27 and 11. Not too many people can do that. So you do have to like give props to that and recognize that for what it is. But he's shooting 42% from the floor this year. That's that's nasty. That's that's ugly. Like it's like it's yeah, that, that, that's a little nasty work out there. That's nasty work. <laughs> uh he is up to 36% from three. So he's been shooting a three better lately because beginning of the year he was down from three as well. 
Uh, and Tyrese Halliburton, what they're doing, they're winning, right? So it's tough to look at what Trey Young is doing and give him that same type of credit with them being, what, 18 and 26 right now? Ah, that's that's a little tough to look at what Trey Young is doing yeah, and that same that's credit. True. Now with Julius Randle, he's playing on a winning team. He's been consistent this year. I'm a I'm one of the people like when I watch the Knicks play, I always watch Julius Randle to see his body language. Uh, whenever I tune into the Knicks game, it could be the third quarter. I could be like on league pass and say, okay, the Knicks are playing a close game. Let me check it out. And as soon as I tune in, I know how Julius Randle is playing just by his body language. If he's Good, he's getting back on defense, he's playing. I can see him being somebody who's there, who's playing in a good way, who's there shooting efficiently. If he is moping around, not getting back on defense, I'm like, oh, he won for eight right now. I know exactly what's going on with Julius Randle by his body language, about how he's playing. So for me, I'm going to give Julius Randle the last spot, but it's tentative. It's tentative mm-hmm. because I just his body language be killing me. But Trey Young, I can't really reward Trey Young because Atlanta – is easily a can get right team. Like they, I feel like with Quinn Snyder, they could have been better this year, but I, I can't give it to him because he's the leader of that squad. He's the one that's supposed to lead them. And yeah. he's done it in the past where he's led them to the Eastern Conference Finals. I know a big part of that was Ben Simmons melting down in the second round of Philadelphia, but he's been there before. And you're like, they have, they don't have the best talent, but you feel like they have enough talent to be better than what they are. And when you look at a team like that and the leader, isn't being able to pick them up, it's hard to make him an all-star. But if you have Trey Young as an all-star, it's hard to argue against it because of the numbers he puts up, even mm-hmm. though the efficiency isn't the best. I agree. Okay. I like that. But so, Jalen Brown. Say that one more time. Like, and I and I like Jalen and I like Jalen Brown. You're talking to somebody who, if you want to ask me who start a friend who you start a franchise with, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, I actually a part of me would would want Jalen uh, Jalen Brown. But I don't know, man. It's just something. It's something. It's, it's something off to where is he? Like, do you feel like honestly he's gonna be an All Star this year? Because even like two years from now, when he's gonna be the highest paid player in the league, like we kind of expect more from somebody that's gonna have that title, right? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Like, he has to do more for his paycheck. But as far as just if you take his contract out of it, I believe he's an All Star, being the second best okay. player on the best team in the league. The stats I mentioned earlier, he's being very efficient and still a very good defensive player. Now, come playoff time, can you trust him to handle the ball? Can he put the ball in his left hand without losing it? Those are the things that you got to worry about with Jalen Brown. But in the thing you mentioned earlier where there's been times where I thought Jalen Brown was better than Jason Tatum, especially in the playoffs. There's been times where mm-hmm. Jason Tatum had games where he didn't show up and Jalen Brown would be the one that kept him in it. So I definitely mm-hmm. get what you're saying there. There's been times like I got a guy I was in the Navy with one of my best friends, usually during games, we'll just text back and forth. All right, we were going back and forth during a Boston playoff game about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like, yo, Jalen Brown really be the one holding it down sometimes. Where Jason Tatum, like, one night, Jason Tatum will go off of 50, and the next night he can't hit nothing. Where Jalen Brown seems to be more consistent, where he's going to mm-hmm. get you that 25 points a game and not just fall off the map the way Jason Tatum can. So I definitely I get it from that standpoint. Um, and as far as an all-star this year, I think he's still an all-star, but I do agree with your point that with the contract that he got, which isn't his fault. He just came around at the right time and got and was able to get this contract. And you can't be mad at the man getting his money. Oh, I get your money. But, yeah, but when you get that money, come with great money comes, you know, great expectations. And he definitely has to live up to that and be able to 
you know, stay in that same mode as far as being productive with that money. And that's something that he hasn't been able to do on that same that same playing field as the others who are making that type of money. So I, I'm with you there on that. So, man, this was fun, man. This was fun. Before we get out of here, man, we got football this weekend, championship weekend. Got to get your predictions. Uh, for NFC Championship, we got 49ers-Lions. Who you got in that one? Give me the Lions, man. Y'all, y'all, done, y'all done, you suck the life out of my, my pistons. Uh, so you better make it work it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the Lions, they've been a model of consistency since last year. Uh, they went over they uh, into the, the to last offseason, excuse me, and said, hey, what do we suck at or what can we get better at? Hey, let's go ahead and, you know, go ahead and make the crazy move back in, in you know, in our first round pick. Well, look how stupid y'all look, you know? Um, and you talk about somebody who, for one, is going to take up for Cam Newton. So when Cam Newton called the Brock Purdy's of the world and the tours of the world game managers, I mean, he wasn't wrong. And I yeah. think this is going to be the perfect time for Brock Purdy to either show us who he is or show who he's not. And I think the Lions are going to get him. Um, of course, I love McCaffrey. I want him to be great, but I think there's something going, there's something going on in Detroit that I like. And don't be surprised if Eminem get a Super Bowl performance. Okay. I can see that. Uh, so we know uh, they got Usher performing this year. I don't know if Eminem have any songs with Usher. Look, look, look. We done heard more about Taylor Swift and Eminem in the last month and a half then we have of Usher. They trying to get Usher out there, bro. I mean, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. You, have we seen Usher at all? Have we? <laughs> I know we're not doing anything like his shows. Oh, we ain't seen nothing. Like, come on, man. Y'all better not take this uh, this opportunity from a black man that is Usher Raymond. They, they better not. Nah, nah. Because the thing <laughs> is, Usher still is that dude. Like when it comes to his catalog, like he's yeah. and he's gonna kill performance too. Like, he's oh, gonna yeah. kill that performance. So, nah, he definitely can't take it away from Usher. Um, but I'm going with the 49ers in that one. I think mm. that the 49ers just have a little too much offensively. Lions defense is good against the run, but against the pass, not so much. Um, I do agree that Brock Purdy is a game manager, right? That game against Green Bay, he came through in the final drive, but prior to that was horrible in that game. I feel like people right. like just saw the last drive and act like the rest of the game didn't happen. So Cam Newton been pretty spot on. Cam Newton's been pretty good as a content creator. Like he's been pretty spot on, and people need to stop coming at him the way they be coming at him. Like, just because he's no longer playing don't mean that man wasn't great when he was in his prime and he doesn't know the game. Like, it's crazy how people came. And if you disagree with what he said, that's cool. But people came at him in a way that I didn't like. Like, come on, bro. Like, that that was wild. So I'm That's forever my QB1, man. Forever my QB1. Forever and ever. Even as a Saints fan, I got all respect and wealth for Cam Newton. And no Cam Newton slander will be tolerated mm-hmm. on the real deal with Damian Adams. I'm with you on that one. So who you have in the AFC Championship? You got uh, AFC Championship. Uh, give me the Ravens, man. Uh, they my they my team since my Pittsburgh Panthers so Pittsburgh. Um, I'm I'm on the Ra- uh, Ravens bandwagon until further notice. Um, but just everything that you 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 gotta rock with Lamar. Like he done been through it at all from being disrespected, you know, being the last pick in the uh, first round to not being called a quarterback to actually being a quarterback to putting up quarterback numbers and still being co- called a quarterback key, whatever the hell that is. To, you know what I'm saying? To people calling him crazy against Tasha Mack on, you know, having his mom to be his, being his manager. 
Little did he know. Yeah, yeah they came. Like, come on, man. Like, come on. It's all content. It's, it's all in what we what we see, man. It was inevitable. It was inevitable. You know what I'm saying? So, shout out to Lamar Jackson, bro. Like, huge fan of his. Um, got the money. He just needed to produce in the playoffs, and I think now is the time that he's gonna do it against uh, Patrick Mahomes. And because I don't, I do not want to see the Chiefs fan swag surfing. <laughs> Like no, nah, no. Nah. I want to see Bro. it all day. I want to see all because you know Detroit gonna be live as hell in Vegas. You know the Baltimore gonna be live as hell in Vegas. I need to see a stadium full of black people showing everybody how to swag surf one last time because the song was twenty years ago and it's kind of getting old. But we need <laughs> one more. We need a grand exit. This what this could be. This Super Bowl could be the grand exit for the swag surf. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I- I'm with you. Like the fact that. First of all, that was the worst swag surf I've ever seen in my life. Like, and I, <laughs> I'm not the best dancer in the world, but I could swag surf at least. Like, you can't, like, how you just, how you mess up the swag surf is crazy. Uh, and then somebody wrote an article that went viral talking about the swag surf, the new Kansas, Taylor Swift and Kansas City Chiefs new dance. I was like, yo, <laughs> yo, talk about two Americas. Like, that's definitely a two America. At least they got the name right. Yeah. <laughs> Craziness, bro. Craziness. But I'm with you. I got Baltimore winning this game. Baltimore's defense is mad underrated. Like, that mm-hmm. defense is great. Like, it's a great defense. And Kansas City, with their issues this year at wide receiver, I don't see them being able to score enough points against the Ravens to beat them. Kansas City has a good defense as well. Don't get me wrong. I think it's oh, yeah. a lower scoring game than people think. But I'm going Ravens 21 to 17. I'm going to take 49ers. Mm-hmm. Uh, 28 to 21 over the Lions, but I am rooting for the Lions. Though. I would love to see a Baltimore Detroit Super Bowl in Vegas. Like, you imagine the people, the combination of people coming to Vegas from Baltimore and Detroit. Like, it would be crazy. The accents would be crazy. The outfits from the people from Detroit wearing gators. Like, I can't, I would love to see all of it. <laughs> We're gonna have to have an over under for nigga moments. <laughs> Yo, it would be it would be wild for sure. Like uh, people still talk about when New Orleans made the Super Bowl, how wild it was. Oh. Like, it would be it would be wild to see to see Baltimore. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, shout out to the Boondocks. I can't wait till that shit come back, man. <laughs> oh man! So thank you again, man, for doing the show. Thank you for your patience. No, you know, of course, bro. It took, it took us a while to get this done because of technical difficulties, but you being my guy held it down for me. Please let people know where they can find you on social media and where they can find your work. Hey, man, the basketball guys on our side, bro. Just know that I think it made for even a better content, even better experience. So uh, it's all love from this side. Uh, at Tab Shakir, T-V-S-H-A-K-I-R. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm not on Threads, so don't look at me there. Uh, Twix as well. That's what we call Twitter and X. Uh, just everywhere, man. The media mediologist himself, just having fun, talking ish with basketball. Uh, with my guys, uh, three to Hardaway. Shout out to us, three to Hardaway. Uh, shout out to the gang at LBR Media. I mean, that's real media. We doing the damn thing. Uh, you doing the damn thing out here in Phoenix? Uh, I'm like I said, you you all you had to do was shoot me that text and just let me know when. And even we, even though you know, for the fans, we did have to re-record this one. But for me, you know what I'm saying? Just just keep doing your thing, bro. You know what I'm saying? And just keep being a staple out here because we definitely need it. I appreciate that, man, a lot. Man, shout out to LBR. Shout out to my man Paris Sharkey, man. He's been out here doing this yeah. for a minute. 
Shout out to P Shark, man. He I gotta get him on the podcast soon, man. He's out here doing his thing. He's a great oh, yeah. writer. Like I love like reading uh Shark's content, man. He's a great writer. But shout out to everybody at LBR, shout out to Three the Hard Away, the best basketball podcast in hey, the world. Man. Shout, shout out to y'all, man. Uh, if you want to follow me, follow me at the real deal WDA. That's the real deal WS and Whiskey, D as in Delta, A as in Alpha on all social media platforms. But except there is, like he said, I don't why, but I'd be on yeah, there. <laughs> so every we everywhere else though. So check us out. I'm always dropping some type of content. I dropped a, a boxing video this morning. So you're gonna get boxing, football, basketball. Go ahead and check me out. And I'm going to be coming to you with more episodes because I got, you know, more time to do more episodes now. So we're going to drop some, we're going to try to drop like two or three episodes a week and come to you like individual episodes about individual games and stuff like that, where I could really break it down. So make sure you go ahead, subscribe, share with your friends and holler at us. And until next time, go real, go home. Yay. Yeah.